If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> Who in the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? We get done. We're like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is the Flatbed is like <laughs> so. As always, what is and has always been, this episode is brought to you by Equinity Products and Classic Ropes. You guys check them out. We have got David Sharp from uh, Cajun. We've got <laughs> Jason Warner, Idaho Mormon. Nick Polera, Colorado. Mob, Italian, Italian mafia. Perfect. Yeah. I feel like we could probably end the podcast right there. I now feel like everybody pretty much knows the whole story. I feel like he prefaced that with walks into a bar or something with, <laughs> with our intros there. We, uh, we've got a rain day and it looks like we're going to have several more of them. And so text you guys today. I was like, why don't we just record a podcast? So thank you guys for jumping on. You bet. What are you guys, what are you guys seeing this year? I, I mean, Listen, we don't have to talk about horse training. I actually don't care. But just to, to start, what are you guys seeing this year out here that's different from years before? Uh, I feel like it's been pretty similar. I don't think – I think people are a little more choosy. Yeah. I think it's not – the real good ones are still really selling good. The average ones are, man, hit and miss. But – I I think the price of young horses has come down mm-hmm. a little bit, and I think people still now they think that the price of a finished horse is dropping. Also, I guess if you're saying according, like, but I think people a good finished horse that you've rode for two years you bought at the height of the market two years ago, and so I think it's gonna be you, hard to give them horses away. I, it's I think there's a there's a definite problem there for a second but i still think if he's a real good horse he's still worth a lot it feels like to me that the arizona horse market got so well known that now people are buying horses with this market in mind and bringing them here and so not only are you seeing great horses but you're seeing more of them and then anytime you do that like anytime you have an oversupply of really good horses it's really to me it's really hard to sustain that price point because instead of just buying what's available now you've got people specifically bringing yeah um but at the same time, you know, the really good ones, they're going to be hard to find no matter where you are. So the really good ones are still going to sell think, here. I think people want, I'm not trying to sound rude or condescending, but there's a lot of people that want a lot of money for a horse that probably isn't worth what some of them are asking. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of puts a, puts a sour taste in people's mouth, I think. Yep. When they go, when they, they have, I don't think they even know what to expect. If you price one for 50000 I don't think they know what to expect because sometimes you get on one and he's just awesome and some of them people price for 50000 and they just, I hear horror stories. You ever heard the joke about the preacher? He's walking down the road and there's this little kid and he's got a wagon. He's pulling the wagon. He's got a puppy in the wagon and says, uh, puppy, $50,000. Have you heard this? Uh, and the preacher's like, what, you, you want $50,000 for your puppy? He's like, you don't understand, mister. This is the best puppy I've ever had. And like, he's friendly. He's... He's going to be house broke, like wags his tail every time he come home. He doesn't chew. Like we're really proud of him. He's a really, really good puppy. So the preacher's like, all right, well, I hope you get it. 
So the next day, sees this kid and he's got his wagon. He's got two cats in the wagon. And he goes, did you sell your puppy? He goes, no, son of a gun. I traded it for two $25,000 kittens. <laughs> and I think, I think that to me is the horse deal. It's like sometimes it's hard to establish a market because somebody that doesn't know might buy a horse because of the price tag. Yeah. You know, this person over here knows what a good one is and isn't going to pay that for one that isn't that. And so it's kind of like there's a part of me, it's almost jealous of the cattle market because at least you know what it's going to be. Jason, you're riding outside horses this year. You've got kids that rope. You're open. Uh, you got a daughter that's rodeoing. What are you like? You guys have a need for a lot of horses, but then you're also producing horses. Mm-hmm. What are you? What are you seeing this year? Uh, most years I don't ride outside horses, so that's new for me, really. Um, we, I'm traveling less with my other jobs, so I'm. It's kind of filling in the gaps. Um, I do see more horses for sale here than I remember in the past. I've been here about 10 years now, so. It's almost a marketplace anymore. Well, this is where they come to market anymore. And then with the sales being strong and you hear all these, to me, they're crazy numbers from these sales. Everybody kind of appraises their own horse according to what they think that sale was. Well, if that horse sold at that sale for this then mine's got to be worth that, which you know and I know. Everybody knows there's different horses, different variables. It's really hard to do that, but that seems to be what people are doing to appraise their own horse now. I'm trying to get my head around even going to a horse sale with a good horse, you know, still because I got that old stigma that you take your horse you don't really want anymore to right, the horse sale. Right, And that's not the case here anymore. No, people are buying horses for sales anymore. Yeah, really good horses. Yeah. So... For me, I just see more horses for sale in this country now than there's ever been. I mean, from where I live in Congress, there's guys that sell a lot of horses within five miles of my place. You can go try 100 horses. Yeah. And that's no exaggeration. Well, and then that gives way to tire kickers so bad. I mean, man. I do see that also. It seems like when somewhere becomes a marketplace, it also becomes like a hotbed for people who are just like, I'm like, bored. It's a Sunday afternoon. I'll go try 10 horses, maybe. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to tell this story, but I'm going to leave details out, and I have to, because it wasn't told to me necessarily with details for public consumption. But listen to this. I have a friend who has CIA contacts, and I can't even get the details. And so that leaves the door open for somebody to be like, oh, this is a BS story. Like, this is like your uncle in Nairobi or whatever. I, I get it. But... Th- I can verify that this contact is a close connection to the CIA friend. And he's talking about being in Wickenburg and he's from, he's not a horse person. He's from back East, not a horse person. And he mentions it. And the guy goes, Wickenburg, Arizona. And he goes, yeah. How do you know where Wickenburg is? He goes, what are you doing in Wickenburg? He tells him he's working and he goes, how do you know about Wickenburg? And he goes, we watched that town close. And he goes, it's a little like country town. He goes, yeah, but have you ever heard of the horse sales? And the guy goes, yeah. And he goes, we know, we know the cartel connections that run through those sales and we know where they are. We know where they're located. We know how they're doing their business, but all we would be able to do on this side of the border would be to arrest who they're using. We really would rather connect to the other people that are like managing the, the, the laundering on the other side of the border he said, but those, there's a lot, not, and now listen, not every horse that sells at a horse sale is connected to that, right? I hope not, because we got some in it. 
Nick did sell one for a lot of money last year, but he's Italian, so I don't know if that's... I don't know. Hey, you know what? Who knows? Who knows? We don't know. I'll tell you this about Italians. If they do know something, they're not going to tell you. So, you um, talked about secrets earlier. If you ask me, I'm an 11 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's bred into them. Uh, hey, hey, on a scale from 1 to 10, how good a secret keeper are you? And Nick's like, I can't tell you that. <laughs> but anyway, so he said it does happen. Like they'll buy horses, move money around, and the people on both sides of the deal know the deal in advance. So my point being, sometimes you see these horses that are just like you're scratching your head and like, what in the world? Well, there's, that's not even a, a true floor market or not floor market. That's not a true value on a horse, but people hear it and they go, well, if that one's worth that, I'm like there, I'll say it seems like it's more confusing to be confident in a number than it ever was before. That's true. I agree with that. Hey, and for the record, you guys don't just have to answer my questions. Like y'all can talk. Like, we're all <laughs> friends. If y'all have something you want to cross with each other, by all means jump in. I, I sold my horse to Rancho Rio last year. I got a check in the mail. Everything was legit. Nobody's kneecaps got broke. Was just simple, cut, simple. It was I mean, I'm be honest. Good. I'm gonna be honest with you. Doesn't that sound like something that somebody would say? That's <laughs> know some things. Know some. I know some things. I know some people. Just, I'm just saying. When you go to that length to explain how innocent you are, okay. Uh, anyway, David, yeah. you you've been out here before. Yeah, just for Vegas week, really. Though you never spent the winter out here. No. What's been your? Because, I mean, being from New Iberia. <laughs> First of all, that's four hours south of where I was raised. This is the only man I know from Louisiana that will tell you he's not a kid. That's not possible. If you're from Louisiana, you know how there's people that are Jewish by birth and then there's people that convert to Judaism? Yeah. If you come out of Louisiana, your your heritage doesn't matter. You are <laughs> Cajun. You are a Cajun. And this guy is so ashamed. <laughs> Of his background. <laughs> so Jordan slept through his homeschool portion of geography. And so he doesn't understand the difference in North Louisiana and South Louisiana. And I've tried to explain this to him, but it's a struggle. I told y'all. Is so, this, it's crazy. It's like yeah. he will sit there and like shame you. <laughs> With your question, what were you asking? We were acting like a house Cajun. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Probably too soon. That might get edited out. <laughs> what, uh, what's been your experience? Because you've been Stephenville now for how long? Oh, seven, eight years, something like that. So coming out here, uh, expectations versus reality. Are you asking me, like, what? No, I was just saying the word. No, I'm I just, figured you. I don't really, I think, the, are you asking the question, like, what, what do I think about Arizona? Well, coming out here, what you expected, and then you get out here and you experience it, like what's been, how has it compared, what you expected versus what you've experienced, how has it compared? I think it's cool. It's different to see it after Vegas week where everybody goes home and then like the OGs, these guys are here. Uh, that means old Gs, doing their, not original gangsters. <laughs> it means old Gs. Doing please. their thing, yeah. you know, I mean, the Thorsons, people like that, that you meet. There's, I think the the bigger takeaway from it is like the people and the, the relationships, like anywhere. I think you know me getting hooked up with Jeff and Jace over there, being neighbors with them, and meeting these guys and going and you know working horses with them. I think that that's been way more than like in your head you think you're going to come out here and and I have jackpot a bunch, but like I don't. That's not been the point at all, and yeah. which has never been the. I mean, I can't. I got too many horses right anyway, so you can't be going all the time. But 
it's just been before Arizona was like, hey, it's vacation, you know, because you come in for Vegas week. And then now it's like come in and it's the day in, day out grind of like hauling out, going to Jason's one day, hauling out, going to Nick's one day, maybe get a jackpot in real quick in the morning and then go back and get through six, seven of them. You know, so I think that's – it's just been different in that way. It's so different than what it's ever been before. And, I mean, obviously the weather's crazy, the amount of rides that you can put on one – out here versus back home in Stephenville. I mean, it was, I mean, 70 degrees one week here, and buddies back home were like, it was 12 degrees, and that's miserable. But there's a lot of cool things in both places. I yeah. think you could argue a case for both of them. You yeah. know what I mean? So I'm, I'm in an interesting place in my life because I never really wanted to be a horse trainer. I've always made my own horses because I was poor, but, like, it wasn't like I'd ever had – aspirations of like riding horses for the public or, you know, doing that for a living or anything like that. For the last two years, it is what I've done. But, um, we sold a four-year-old a while back and the gal that bought him really likes him. She paid quite a bit for him, but she really likes him. But she was saying that she's taking him to the wash or she'll take him to a jackpot and just sit for hours. And like, she'll just wear him down and wear him down. Things that I remember doing on horses of mine. Like, I knew they needed it, and so I would have all day. You know, I own three or four horses, and so I would just take the young one, and I would just spend all day on them. And I remember sort of the polish you could put on one, and she's describing it. And I'm like, man, I, I'll be honest, I miss that. I miss being able to create a finished product to that degree because when you got 12 or 15, or if you got a program, you're riding a bunch of them, you end up putting what that – it's almost like you're just constructing the parts. It almost feels like you're just taking the pieces and putting them together – but you're not putting any polish on it. And I would, I, I've said just in the last little bit, I'm really hoping I can get away from riding outside horses and train just a few of mine. My kids are actually starting to rope a little bit. I love being out there. I don't think they've had fun in the arena with me as a horse trainer because it's work. You know, if they mess something up, that's directly tied to an income. And I would love to be on like my one or two young horses, maybe ride a select, like a select one or two young horses, like you were saying, Jason, it's not something you've done. Um, how is, how is training horses negatively impacted your horse experience? Does that make sense? Jason, Jason, since you're naturally more quiet, I'm going to make you answer first and the rest of these out here and I'll jump in. So training horses, how it's affected my well, like experience. Yeah. Like when you take outside horses, it takes away from your concentrated time on your own. Yeah. There's only so many hours in the day, right? Like all of us have from when you get up to when you go to bed. And I feel like if you have 12 to ride, they all got to get equal time or close to, and it's really tough to get done what you want to get done on that horse. Like I get expectations for horses and what I need to get to on them that day. Right. So for me personally, like, uh, I think that's probably one of my biggest mistakes as a horse trainer is I'll be like, this bugger needs to get good today right. at this. And I'll keep grinding on that. And then the next one might get short time because I, and then I'm just like checking it off the list. Right. Mm. Instead of actually spending the time and connecting with the horse, I'm like, Oh, I got to ride that one. And it's dang near dark. You know, well, so. it's a weird thing too, because I tend to get off of one earlier than I normally would when I've got more to ride. Right. Exactly. And I feel like I'm quitting one early, but at the same time, sometimes what I've learned is like, 
those horses maybe come along a little faster mm -hmm. by giving them. So there's yeah. some good that comes with it also. Whereas yeah. if it was like the only young horse I had, I'm like, I'm just going to keep going and then you can mash on them. Mm -hmm. um, so coming from a rodeo background, Dave, when you're riding outside horses, as many as you are, do you feel like it's taken away from the love that you had in the beginning, the way that you loved horses as a kid? Do you feel like that that soured a little bit doing what you do for work? No. I don't. I think I appreciate it more because I understand it more. Like, I think for me, it's finding a place to, like, get out of them, uh, meaning where to quit them. You know what I mean? Like, if, if I can get a little bit, I think I used to have that mindset of, like, trying to get to a point a day, and now I just kind of get on them for the day and feel where they are that day and try to get to a place, whether that takes – two steers or 10 and 10 is not often it's usually somewhere around four or five six i think whatever your magic number is that day if we're talking team roping horses i still have some two-year-olds and it's hold again, on hold on i know i'm interrupting yeah. but i gotta interject yeah remember how david said he weighed 10 pounds when he's born yeah and he's oh, like a bigger gosh, guy God, listen I know where this is going he's riding a two-year-old right now it's just turned three no she's two she's, she's just two. turned two just, okay yeah this is the smallest horse i've ever seen in my life and David gets on her, and I swear, it looks, you know those videos of the guys in Mongolia, and they got the eagles on their arm, and they're riding the little <laughs> Mongolian ponies? Every time he gets on there, like, one day David's going to wake up, and I'm going to have a stuffed falcon that is <laughs> from Amazon that he can just put on his arm, because this, like, he will get out there and ride these two-year-olds, and they're all, I mean, obviously all they're small, but I'll tell you what, if y'all ever have a chance to be over there always riding, and she's a, would he be tough? Yeah, she's a cool little she's Woody. Cool yeah. She is. Yeah. She absolutely is. She is a cool Little horse. Yeah, the earrings are touching on both yeah, sides. She's small. Yeah. She's a little one. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to make sure. I know where you were going that. with it the minute you said it. You can't stand it. He loves it so much. <laughs> He's uh, up there just like hawk on one arm, crawfish in the other hand, and just <laughs> riding <laughs> <in> him. <laughs> uh, Sorry, keep going. It's so not that you're roping on every day. You're also riding two-year-olds. Yeah, and then I think just finding a place, place to quit them, but... Really, I, it hasn't ruined it from. I understand them more. I think before it was like a cool idea. Like a lot of people do that with horse training. Like I'm, I'm gonna do that. It's cool, and they and they like talk about it. But then when you get out there, and you got enough to go from daylight to dark, and you do it, and you figure out how to get organized, and you do it well, man, you gotta find. It's it makes you appreciate the horse. I think you know how much that they can take in and. And how much they can grow. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but for me, I appreciate a horse more now knowing more about him, I guess. You know? yeah, well, and that's okay. So that's for sure the opposite. That's the positives yeah. that come with yeah. it. And, and I want to get to that also. Yeah. So I asked you to describe the negatives and you just went to positive. Well, that's just, listen, yeah. I've never known an unhappy Cajun, David. And you, you are so positive yeah, that no. if I ask you something, it just goes to, I, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I don't love know. You I really don't. Negative wise, I mean, no, yeah, I, in a hey, perfect I was, world, I, I could stay on a horse for and camp out on them for forever, and we could ride out in the desert before we rope. And but that's just not. I mean, I still do take a lot of them outside, and and that's a great thing. But yeah, in a perfect world, we could each make five thousand a horse a month, and we could go ride them half the day. But that's not, and the horses don't need that long anyway. But I don't, I don't think it's a. I don't feel like a lot of negative. I think I just like you know. You've got your good bay yeah. four year old, and like that, your your mentality or not mentality, yeah. but like 
you light up when you're on that one. Yeah, for like sure. You're, you're definitely in a different oh, space sure. when you get on that one. And I think maybe that's what I'm saying. Is like I miss I miss having that sort of experience with horses only. And then you – because I'm mean, not really riding any bad ones right now, but there are horses it's just not as life-giving. You could put a lot into them, but at the end of the day, somebody else is going to benefit from that if it works. And yeah. you're you're really not – you're really not pouring into your own future riding them. You're pouring into somebody else's. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I see what you're saying there. So if no, we need a negative answer, we're going to Nick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I should have done that, and then I should have been like, so on the positive side, then we're going to get to Nick. <laughs> so you love, I mean, I remember one time, Nick, you were watching a horse bring the steers up by themselves. A horse got away from you, went down the return. Man. I am sold on Equinity products. It's one of the things we get the most questions about actually is does it work? All of my horses are on it. I'm telling you, you can tell a noticeable difference. It's the thing that uh, triggers the pituitary gland to work more efficiently. And for you science nerds, uh, the pituitary gland is sort of like the control center for all of the chemicals and all the balances. And it's, uh, it's the control center that keeps a horse healthy. Um, I've noticed I've noticed a physical change, but to be honest, the mental impact that it has on them, keeping them calm, ready to show up, ready to go to work, Check them out. Uh, you can you can find them at all their social media at Equinity. Let's be honest. Who hasn't heard of Equinity? I'm not telling you how to find them. You already know. I'm just telling you the experience I had, and it is worth it. I will never not feed Equinity to my horses. If you haven't subscribed yet, let me tell you what you're missing out on. We record some bonus episodes. There is a time every now and then when um, whatever restriction doesn't allow, so there will be some episodes without it. But uh, we really try to get some bonus material. It's just stupid questions. Um, kind of gives you a, a more light look into the people that we're getting to sit down and visit with. And so I want to encourage you, jump on, check it out. Uh, it's a cool way to support the podcast too. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's what we, that's why we're doing it. Better look. You know, we don't want the podcast to just be something that's silly for hours, um, but it is a little break um, from like the typical temperature of what we normally do on the podcast. So uh, if you haven't, check it out, subscribe now. When you guys rate and review, uh, it really does help make the podcast more visible. Um, it seems like we've been getting messages more frequently here lately. It says, I just found this podcast. Um, been, it's funny to me because it seems like we've promoted it. How does everyone not know? So the fact that there's still people finding it, um, when you guys rate and review, uh, it helps us a bunch, helps us become more discoverable. So everybody who's done that, thank you very much. If you haven't, maybe give it a shot. I remember one time, Nick, you were watching a horse bring the steers up by themselves. The horse got away from you, went down to the return lane, was bringing steers up. And I remember there was just this joy of like, man, that's why I ride rope horses right there. Like, it's yeah. just so cool to see a horse do what they love. So that part of it, I know you have that. Um, I, I think like any anything else, when you do it for a job, like, would I do I want to do anything else? No, that's right. I mean, this is this is what I'm doing, and you you got, you know, there's days of greatness and there's days of just misery it just depends on the horses it depends on what's happening i mean you just personally i've had to learn to just you know it's not too much up it's not too down it's just and i think the more as we get older too like when i was younger when i was riding a lot of colts when i was riding young horses it was a more demanding situation it was more you do what i tell you to do but I think as you get older and the more you ride, the more you feel, it's more of, it's more of a guidance. Like you mm -hmm. open the right door and you just encourage him, hey, you got to follow through that door. And man, you get a lot less resistance. They're, they're a lot easier. They're quite, I mean, my horses have never, ever been quieter and kinder and easier than they have been for the last three to five years, I'd say. Like as you really start feeling and learning that stuff. Yeah. And I think that's a big, big deal. And 
the other thing that I've learned that I think has helped me is when, when I was younger, I would put a horse in a box. Like, I want you to be this. I mean, you gotta be a, you gotta be this for me, man. That's like somebody telling me to dunk a basketball. Like you ain't gonna, I don't care what you teach me to do. I will never dunk a basketball, but I can still be a basketball. I can still play. I can still contribute something. But when I really learned that the, it changed everything. Like some of them are just born to lope up there and turn off and be a horse for a guy that is smiling and roping in the number seven and eight roping. And some of them are just bred to haul ass and do everything just as physical as possible. And there's a ton of them right in between. But really learning what horse is supposed to go where, I think that's made my whole everything so much better. Don't you feel like guys get to riding for a price point too? Like they have a number in mind and then they're trying to build that horse to that number. Oh, you know, you see a guy's like, this guy got 100000 for his horse, so I'm going to make this one into that. Rather than riding that horse for that horse and letting him, exactly what you're saying, like letting that horse be what he is, you're riding him with a number in mind, and that's completely unrelated to that horse's process. That horse has no idea what money is. He doesn't know what he's costing you by not being athletic. He's just doing his thing, you know. On the reverse side of that, <clears throat> excuse me, the worst part of that deal, I think, is, is the opposite end of the spectrum. It, depending on what you gave or what your customer gave for a horse, it's really hard not to have high expectations. When somebody yeah. buys an $85,000 three-year-old, says, I'm sorry, you you're talking language. I'm sorry, you lost me. You're talking language. I don't understand. I'm just going to have to take your word for it. Uh, okay, well, either way, there is an expectation, obviously. Yeah, and then, to that horse. You know, there yeah. is horses that, I mean, I, some of the best horses I've ever had were not horses I gave just a pile of money for, yeah. right? And they, were, they just turned out amazing. But your person has to really watch, especially with, with the market, especially when you're buying a horse and you're giving a lot of money and you're having to give a lot of money for a nice horse. Well, if you go write a check for $30,000, $40,000 for a prospect, you are pretty much expecting he's going to have to bring 50 plus or it's mm. not worth your while. Right. So it's hard not to have those kind of expectations. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's dang sure a judgment call. I mean, so there's some of us that share sponsors and I want to make sure we're doing it. We're going to do something different on this episode. Um, we're going to talk about some of the sponsors integrated rather than just taking a commercial break. So I will say that one of the things I've noticed, there's three things in their diet that I would recommend that the hay that I've got from Bales Hay, first of all, alfalfa grown here in Arizona. Have you, I mean, maybe this is y'all's experience too. I know Colorado, Idaho grows alfalfa. I mean, what are, they, what are you guys feeding Lisa? I'm just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, yeah. I'm joking. But I mean, like, being from being from alfalfa parts of the world, I've never seen alfalfa like this. Best, best anywhere here. And Bales has that steamer, so like your Bales come out thin, thin little flakes. Like it feels like you could take it and like drive a nail with it. So the amount of hay that I'm able to feed is less. What Unbeatable has done with that all forage when you can get it. Uh, I know NRS is sold out. It's gotten, it's it's getting easier. They're working on a way to get it out here in Arizona. But Aquinity to go with that. So the Bales, Unbeatable, and Aquinity. And that Aquinity, ready for this? It's going to be sound like a commercial. Triggers the pituitary gland. But one of the things that does is it's, it's physical, but it's also mental. Those are things that, like, when I was a kid, I didn't have any concept. It was like, uh, what do you feed your horse? Uh, round bale, I guess. You just put them on a round bale? What does everybody else do? Have an actual diet for the horses, I think, has been, like, a yep. big part of that. And and I would I would say if anybody's wanting to get into training horses even for themselves that's a really good place to start 
It's a great place to start. Well, it's just horse health is just part of horsemanship to begin with. So, I mean, it's not just making them look good. It's making them feel good. You know, it's from the inside out every time. Well, and and to continue, this is this is not part of the the commercial part of this. This is actually true. I've never really looked into what hind gut health is. I know it sounds stupid. Like I know it's important, but when you look at what fiber does for hind gut, and the the unbeatable forage having the alfalfa, the beet pulp pellet, the flaxseed oil, like it's crazy when you've seen a horse just bloom and sharpen up and get like his coat clears up. It's hard to go back. It's hard to see that and be like, you know, I don't remember them looking like that on the round bell. Um, Jason, what's been, what's been your experience as far as buyers? Cause if you said you weren't training outside horses, that means the horses you were training, you were looking for buyers. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that you train them thinking about selling them or you just keep going on them until a buyer finds you? What's your, what's your process on dealing with the public, even outside of the riding outside horses? You guys talk. I'm going to run to the restroom because y'all need to start talking amongst yourselves. So I'm going to force it. I'm going to run to the restroom. You can answer that question and I'll be back. So traditionally, I've always just bought and sold horses to try to stay mounted, keep my family mounted, uh, supplement my income. And the, uh, the end game for me was just to make a few pay for the rest of them to stay at my house, basically. So... I'd I'd buy a horse for say fifteen thousand as a three year old. I might sell him as a six year old for thirty. Right. You know, type of deal. So I would always kind of keep in mind. I, I mean, for years I was like, if I could double my money on this horse, I'd be doing it. Well, I never. This is cowboy math, right? So I'm I'm not factoring in how long I kept him. Horse cost you money every day of his life until you either went on him or sell him right and then i've lost a couple here lately Oof. and it's uh i mean obviously when you have have one that's all of a sudden gone and you didn't get to sell them what it does to you you know i've never experienced that before this year and it's a big deal yeah, <laughs> it's a big bite bit. into the bottom that's line rough. so yeah. um for for me personally i just uh to buy a horse, obviously, I'd, I'd treat it like high-risk real estate, say. Like, you buy a horse for 15000 that's investing into a little piece of property, and I got to do some uh, rehab on it, maybe. I got to fix something. I got to train it. You but, have a piece of land, and you need to go beat it for a while until it's a better piece of land. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to remodel that son of a gun and, and put it back out there, and hopefully somebody else likes what you did to it, right? Is it hard? Is it hard to find buyers? It's not hard to find buyers here. Uh, it's not. It's not hard to find triers here. <sighs> to find buyers is a different story. Yeah. So I tell you one that gets me, and actually David was there for this one. Is I had a guy. No offense, I don't think he was being ugly about it. I think he was honestly operating in good faith. But he run a bunch on a three-year-old, and the three-year-old works, and he goes, "I just want something that I'm a little more confident is going to be ready to go by next year." I know I meant that, but to me, I was like, he just looks like he's ready to go today. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to guess what someone's standards are going to be or what they're looking for. Cause like, I can tell you what I think, but I have no way to guess what, what I'm saying means when you hear it. You know, I, it, it's like, I've always said, like, if you took five people and said, go get blue paint, we're going to paint the barn and they all come back. They may have five different colors of paint. It's hard mm-hmm. to know. Like, yeah, technically it's blue, but it looks yeah. terrible. Um, what do you think? What do you think is the defining difference between a trier and a buyer? What do you think makes the difference? 
you having, know, I having think, money. <laughs> well, yeah. It, well, I'm better at asking the questions before they show up to my house anymore. Okay. Yeah. So to screen the buyer or prospective buyer, if I don't have something that fits their budget mm -hmm. or fits their style, like if I've never seen them rope, and but I'll try to ask them questions like, what level are you trying to rope at? Do you like a push horse? Do you like a horse that's more free wheeling? You know, yeah. try to. I'm gonna need you to fill buyer. out this questionnaire and then send it back to no, me. I'm gonna I, take a look at and it. And I think the same thing training though. So when one comes to me, I've got nowhere I'm more like that before they come when they call because you need to know someone's expectations or you're never going to be able to make them happy. Yeah, you go, right. you go train them with fire, know. breathing dragon, and they're like, man, that's too much horse yeah. to number seven. Well, yeah. I just you just got to break it down. Like, what are, you, what are you looking for this horse to do when you get him back? You know, mm -hmm. whether yeah. he's two or whether he's yeah. six, like what is the – are we futurity him? Are we getting him broke? Are we getting him ready to go jackpot on? What is, what is your actual plan? So then we have a goal in mind, and we're both working towards that. Because, what does broke mean? Yeah. You know, oh my yeah. gosh! There's blue paint right yeah, there. Yeah, there's exactly. your blue paint. Yeah. So when I pull in this rain, he goes that direction. He's broke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, power steering, power brakes. <laughs> you know, that's what a team roper absolutely should need. So, amongst all of us, instead of this being my podcast and you guys are on it, I'm actually curious amongst the group. Everybody is roped with everybody around here quite a bit. What do you guys see as the strengths represented? sitting here like J jason you won't go to jason's house and there's either going to be on one no i'm sorry i meant like about me i'm just i'm, 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 I'm just that's a shorter answer <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you won't pull up at jason's house and him not be on one or his ass in there shooting one like yeah. jason's work ethic you're not going to out grind jason he's he's a worker and like nick is a planner and he's organized and I love that about him because I, I feel like that's one of my strengths and I when you go to Nick's this is what time he's gonna have his horses ready to go he's got his arena drug he's and not not that Jason wouldn't be Jason's the same way but like Nick's organized because he's done it for years he knows what he needs to get done that day and I think he's focused on it like it's work it's not a job in a negative way when I say it's a job, but like that's this. It's occupational career. and he's it's a, execution. He's a, per, he, he's a professional, and when you go to his house, you show up. It looks professional. He he's put together, and his horses are good or day, whatever kind of day they're having. He's going to treat it as such. Get to a place and go to the next one. And mm -hmm. that's I mean I, I think that that's great. Uh, that's what I've noticed about both of them. Yeah. You know? um, Nick, what do you see in these guys? From a just training or competition standpoint, or yeah, all of the above. Well, like, when we're done with this, we're going to talk about each other's strengths because I think it's easier to hear a compliment from yeah. somebody than an insult, right? But then I want to know where you guys think your own thin spots are. So, what do you see about Jason and David from the time you've spent around them? So, I mean, obviously, I've roped with Jason for several years practicing, and then when I was actually going places in jackpot, and we used to enter some. Um, Jason's. Jason very seldom ever ropes on a horse if he's competing that doesn't fit him. Like, I think Jason really knows what fits him. His horses all keep cattle measured off right for him. I, I, I man, I mean, he don't miss. Jason don't miss. No, I don't. Um, and he does not, he never rides a bad one. 
never rides a pedal. Not when your money's up. No, and I mean, hold on, hold on. Like, David's like he does, but no, <laughs> no. I just that is a good thing to say when you've got 150 up out here, or 300 up out here. This dude's mounted. He's too ready to in the box. Like, yeah. man, I'm sorry. I just got to get some rest. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll get my left one shorter for you, not. <laughs> so I mean, Jason's always like, and he's always he's always practicing. Like, if you're gonna go somewhere, hey, let's run some. I yeah. mean, he's always roping. And I, I don't think he, I don't think he competes unprepared. You know who yeah. else actually does a good job of that real quick is Matt Robertson and I were going to go to a couple of jackpots. And like, when I showed up at his house, the arena was perfectly drugged. The steers were the right steers. Yeah. He had all of his ropes laid out. Like you would have thought when I got to Matt Robertson's house, he was getting ready for the NFR. And yeah. instantly what it does is you're like, kind of almost rise like, to the occasion. This like, is, this is a job. That's right. We're like, we're yeah. going to work here. This is yeah. a hobby. You could tell, you could tell he was like, if we're going to do this, let's, let's, and, and I don't think I've ever like, I'm not going to say I've ever jack when I was jackpot and I don't remember a time that I was ever like calling it in, but that guy, there's a level of intensity when you show up to practice that I really actually enjoyed. It felt, I feel like there was a level of intensity brought to the practice. If, if I was saying, I mean, I could reiterate what David said, but I think all three of us here, it is a job, not a hobby. And it is as such, like, like both of these guys, when you show up in rope, their horses are clean. They're, they, they don't just have one bridle and a head rope. And I mean, you know, they have a bridle that suits what they want to work on that day. Mm-hmm. They have specific goals with that horse. I mean, I have spun a thousand steers for Jason when he's on a young horse and I am riding a young horse. I mean, we have a goal specifically set for what we're riding at that time and then goal will change for the next set of horses we get on in. You know, same, a big deal to me when you go to somebody's house, especially mine, because I ride horses for a living, right? Both of these guys, they come rope, hey, what do you need to get done? Right. And they will bring a corresponding horse. Man, I got three, four-year-olds to heel on that are green, and I got two to get ready for, you know, the show. So they bring corresponding horses to rope slow steers, to rope strong steers, to give me live action runs, to just lope around behind young horse. I mean, it goes back to professionalism. I mean, every day you have a plan, you execute it, take care of your horses, and it, it's a big deal. And both of these guys, you know, I, I think, and David, I have not roped with David a lot, but I don't know if I've seen him miss a steer. I mean, and it's been, he's consistent. Jason His horses has. have been consistent. <laughs> Jason has seen it. We had Jason's mic off. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to rip it out of my hand. Hold on. Hold this. up. Hold up. But <laughs> practicing wise and um, same deal. Like he, you know, he knows what his horses need. Both of them know what their horses need. If we're roping lopers, they know what to, you know, they ride according to the horse, not yeah. just what their goals are for the day or for their roping. Yeah. Both of them rope good. Both of them, when they rope, put their horse ahead of their own roping. It's a weird thing when, like, somebody's going to come rope at your place, rope your steers, they're coming over, which I don't think anybody here would say we don't appreciate that. It's not like somebody's coming over and we feel like we're doing anybody a favor at all. But it is a weird thing when, like, you'll you'll have somebody come over and they'll just show up with 15 horses and it feels like you're working for them. Right. And, like, if if I'm showing up to someone's house, I I would feel compelled to ask before I got there, like, I'll bring whatever will be a benefit because I'm roping at my house all the time anyway. So... I think maybe that's something that people would maybe want to grab onto is like, hey, if you're going to someone's house and you're going to rope their steers, yeah. you you try to accommodate what's good for them, and then you get 
you bring the right horses, you're going to get something out of it also. You and I have practiced together for years and roped together, and I cannot think of a single time whether you called me or I called you or whatever the case may be, and the second, are you roping today? Yes. What, what do you horses, need? What do you need? Yeah. What horses do you need me to bring? Yeah. I don't, there has never been a time. There's never been a time where that wasn't the next question on either, either end here. Well, I think there's like, for me, I think of the things I'm not going to have to do that day if I go rope at your house. Like, I'm not going to have to water the arena. I'm not going to have to drag it. I'm not going to have to bring steers up and wrap them. I'm, there's a lot of things that I'm getting to miss out on that day that are work-related that I know you're going to have to do. So if I'm coming to your house, I'm taking into account, like, today you are going to put more effort into this than I am. So how can I be a help? Versus, uh, like, when somebody comes to my house, those are things I already know I'm going to do. And I like doing them. I mean, like, like David and I have talked about. David, I can't tell you how many times David's like, hey, you want me to drag, drag the arena? I'm like, absolutely not. It's my happiest place in life. Like, that's what I love doing. But... There's things like that. Like if somebody hasn't had that experience where they're the ones, you know, paying for feed and dragging the arena and getting everything ready and then realizing the amount of effort that that goes into, if somebody hasn't had that experience, they may not realize what someone's doing for them by having them come over and rope. They may get like, like as a kid, if somebody invited me over to rope, I didn't know. I didn't realize everything they were putting into it. I was just like, you want to rope? I want to rope. Great. I didn't realize the benefit that that was to me when I got there. Right. Jason, yeah. When you look around the room, so when you look around the like when you look around the no, I asked, hey, the other day I don't heal, I don't heal, I'm not a healer. I said it for a thousand times, and I I was healing the other day, and this steer takes a right, kind of goes up the fence, and like as he's getting away, I got him and I died, <laughs> and I'm riding back up. And I'm like, hey, Jason, um, do you think like a normal guy would have been able to like pull off that shot? And he goes. You did. <laughs> <laughs> it was the highlight of the day. Um, of, yeah. all, of all the horse training things that I enjoy doing, that type of community amongst friends is the stuff that is, that to me is what yeah. makes yeah. it. Yeah. Hold on. In all fairness, there is, there's a maybe close to unhealthy level of shit talking that would go <laughs> on with any, whatever the amount of two, four, three of us, whatever. That, that is a guarantee. I'll that tell you, guarantee I'll tell you this, that, happen. that is a must. And if anybody shows up and they're quiet or polite, I know it kind of ruins the mood because everybody's like, dude, are you okay? Jet, Jet, as quiet as my son is, and like, he's just kind of new to roping and stuff, but that's one of the things he's going to excel at <laughs> because David missed one for him the other day and he goes, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And Jet goes, I don't think you could have missed one that bad unless it was intentional. <laughs> and I'm like, he's going to fit right in. He's yeah. a fair, what did he say yesterday? He said something yesterday. Do you remember what it was, Jason? Wasn't that it? No, he said something. He said something else. Oh, oh, oh. He's healing, and one of the steers kind of comes back up under David. Jack comes riding up, and he goes, he's not going to change his business name to Sharp Handles. <laughs> That's after. So my point is, I'm raising the next generation of that. Like, there is never going to be a time that someone doesn't get included in, like, the crap talk. Like, that is a must. Yeah. Well, that shows the camaraderie within this group is we can all dish it out and we can all take it. So most of us can take it. <laughs> He'll get that. Like me personally, with like I've been to Nick's dozens of times, I've, I've always felt like I was the benefactor. Like I've never once called him and asked him what he needed me to bring as far as horses. 
he asks me what I got and shows and tells me how his horses are going to fit. Have you learned something then today? Is that what you're saying? You've picked up on maybe some Makes tips. A good dude. <laughs> 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 no, um, but we'll ride horses that complement one another. I try to observe all y'all's horsemanship. Like for me personally, I. I'll ask a question and never once has it not been met with an honest, straightforward answer, you know, or, uh, like observing just, I mean, everybody here takes their, puts their horses first, you know, we're not sacrificing the horse for the run and like uh, on your practice cattle, they're amazing practice cattle to me. Like they're perfect. I took a horse the other day that needed to slow down, like, he got loose twice while I was trying to bridle him <laughs> and run around. And I'm like, "Well, somebody please rope this horse." No, that's not true. He got he got loose twice when he was half bridled. You were almost home, and yeah. he got away. Twice. Yeah, he got loose. I mean, me and David both rode off like, "Okay, he's got him." And here in a minute, comes blowing past us again. I started the day. I was so mad at that horse, and he's my horse. I mean, he was—he wasn't a client horse. No, that yeah. was not a client horse. Yeah. That was mine. And I mean. And everybody's patient, everybody helps out, and we do, we run a set on that horse, and it was like, I'm mad at him at the first of it, and by the end, I'm so proud of that horse um, for where we got to on him, and right. I felt like everybody was on my team, you yeah. know? I didn't feel like I give anything back to anybody. It was like, right. shoot, you know, we'll score a bunch, we'll run these slow ones, it just fit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll tell you, perfect. I'll tell you the other thing about like older, slower Mexicans is that guy can run so many more. So if you're really trying to drive something home, you can run so many more steers without ever getting them hot, mm -hmm. you know, cause you kind of want to put them away. Like if you've maxed them out, you don't want to run that many on them, but like those cattle you're talking about, like it's amazing to me how patterned you can get one on cattle like that mm -hmm. because you're not really physically taking much out of them. Yeah. Um, I'll go first on this one. I want to hear where you guys feel like your thin spots are, and I'll, I'll start. Um, I remember needing young horses. About the time I'd get one good, I'd sell him, and then I had a period of time before rodeo and really started, and I was kind of hustling young horses forever. I was, I was always I was always hurting them. And I'll tell you that the thing that I am having to kind of be honest with myself about is that I've overcorrected. Like, I, I know that I have started going too slow. I've started backing way off. Um, it, I almost view it more like running water over a rock to create a ridge instead of like chiseling it out. And that's one of the things that I think that I've had to, to watch, you know, when I'm around other guys that are roping and they're really messing with bits and they're doing a lot of these things to try to create some, some positive momentum in my own horses. I know for a fact that I've gotten accustomed to going too slow. And the reason I know that is, um, in Vegas week, I went to a jackpot and a horse that I was riding really wasn't as sharp as he should have been. But I really, I, you know, because I'm not jackpotting, I don't really see it. Unless I go take him somewhere, I don't really see that I'm allowing things to move too slowly. Um, so there's got to be there's got to be a happy medium. I've got to figure out a way to still get the most out of a horse without going back to what I used to do, which was like hurrying him to the point it created damage. Um, where would you, David? Where would you say that you? Actually, I wish we had the guts to do this. I wish we could point out each other's thin spots, but I feel like that would just hurt everybody's feelings. So we're going to keep it nice. Not, it wouldn't hurt mine. Oh, he says. He no, said, I, think I, wouldn't care. I think it's. I wouldn't care I mean, as long as like, I got to go and y'all didn't. If I got one, though, because like, if you hear that, then you're like, sweet, that's something I can work on. Because I want to know if it's a blind spot for me, then right on. Like, Guys, let's get it out I of the way. Oh, hold up, I hold think, up, hold up. I want y'all to look me in the eye. Yeah. And I want y'all to tell me the truth. Are we all men? If we were going to point out each other's thin spots, 
do you think it would cause resentment or you think we could do it? Because I think it would be interesting to hear. No, I don't, it wouldn't bother me. I don't know if that's the best thing to do on air. And when, when you got clients and everything else, I don't think that that's. Oh, I don't think we're talking bad. Because I mean, like, look at what we're doing. It's, I'm not saying, like, remember you took a baseball bat to that horse's leg that one time? Like, it's not going to be something that would play bad, but first of all, we that, don't have to do it. First, first of all, all, he wasn't looking at me when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean, we don't have to do it. For I just, the listener. I would just, like, like I said, if I was listening to a podcast and I'm like, man, I would almost, I would almost be curious if people, if, like, if we were good enough friends to do something like that but then if you're saying it could go bad i don't want to i don't but. think it'd go bad but i mean i just i don't know how how is david the one that said it's a good idea and now saying the ones no what idea. i'm saying nick, is nick I, and jason haven't said anything and david's I, talked us into it and out of it i think that's that's probably me on a lot of things if i think about it long enough you could no I, I, bipolar express i think going to i think that's the three of us are real good about that that at least once or twice a week just about we'll go somewhere, even if it's just taking one horse to a jackpot just to keep your knife sharp. And I think that's kept – I think and lately it's been like go to one World Series, start one regular barrier because that World Series start doesn't get a guy like us very sharp for going to a horse show or even just trying to train a horse and get a horse to see a start. That's tough to go to World Series all the time. And I, I feel like a guy's got to go and keep his knife sharp like that or you will get that way. And so it's not fun, and it makes your day longer, and you're hustling, and you're at the roping, and you're thinking about all the horses you got to ride when you get home. But I think the guy's got to do that, and it's easier to do that out here because there's something in the morning or something all the time to go to during this time of year. Well, it's like giving a kid a test. Like you teach them something, you want to know if they know it. Yeah. you got to take them somewhere and show it to them. And yeah. I think the reason – like for me, I know the reason I got away from it is I was riding more three and four year olds that didn't need it. And so my horses just stayed home or got rode at home. Like I didn't need to take them. <clears throat> and so I just didn't have something I felt like fell into that crack. Like my good horses, if I was going to go, I'd ride my good horses. But if I was going to, I wasn't going to take a client horse that's three or four years old. And so that's probably a big reason why I pulled up as much as I did is I didn't feel like I had that really good five, six-year-old that was, like, doing really good at home and I need to go try it. Um, and I probably over – I know that I've, I've overcorrected on it because now I don't miss it. I don't care. I like being home. Um, but you're right. If a guy's going to take them past that certain point, mm -hmm. you got to go give them a test and see what they know. I think my weak spot would be probably one of them, of many, uh, would probably be that I can get – I can get pretty focused on myself and not the horse as far as I don't mean my rope, but I mean like down on myself and you can let that transfer to the next horse. Like I get off my four-year-old yesterday and like I'm ready to go play in traffic and he's the best four-year-old I've ever made. He just had him a day. And Where are you going to find so, traffic in Whitman? Right. <laughs> the, the, the road we live on. <laughs> uh, to 11 <laughs> all day long because if you go to Stephen Doobie's house, his boxes are right beside <laughs> the road and you can't hear yourself think. Uh, no, and so I'll get – it's shutting that off, wiping the slate clean in between horses and not letting that transfer to the next horse, whatever it was. Not that like a fight just happened, but just that negative thought, like that next horse doesn't deserve whatever you got to – and so I'm, I feel like that's a hole of mine – where I'd need to mature as a trainer and be like, hey, take a minute, take a deep breath. And it's been fun to watch the sort of meteoric rise of unbeatable feeds. Um, what that means is that when people start to feed it, they keep feeding it. And that's, that's what I like to hear because those are the results that I've had with it also. 
Um, it's probably just a personality defect that when I like something, I like when other people like it also. Uh, I said that Ren Richard was feeding a pound and a half to his steers. It's actually two and a half pounds. But point being, um, it's not only an amazing horse feed. It's not only the thing that has put gut health, hind gut health. Um, it's a super fiber and all those things. It's also just a tremendous steer feed also. So glad you guys are liking it. Glad you guys are feeding it. Check them out. Unbeatable feeds. We live in one of the hottest real estate markets in the Western industry here in Wickenburg. It can be confusing. I know the people from out of town go, okay, where does everything happen? What's in the middle of things? What's the dark side of the moon? Let me tell you, Erin Freeman, she's not only a friend, she is an absolute professional in the real estate industry. You can find her at Erin Freeman Properties on Facebook. You can check her out at erinfreeman.realtor on Instagram and TikTok. Here's what I like about Erin. She is from a team roping family. She understands that when you call and say you're looking for arena, you don't mean a riding pin. When you say I'm looking for something with stalls, it doesn't mean four panels chained together. She understands the industry, but she also understands the, the, the lifestyle. One of the things I'll say about Erin, like I said, not only is she great, I don't know if she'd want me saying this, she also kind of keeps her finger on the rental industry too. So if you're looking for a rental, maybe not officially, but I can tell you she knows where it's at. She's also brutally honest. She will tell you exactly what's happening in the industry. If you're too high, if you're too low, if what you're looking for is achievable, if she has in her inventory what you're looking for, you will get an honest assessment from somebody who not only understands what you're looking for, but where to find it. Check her out, Aaron Freeman. Okay, take a minute, take a deep breath. And at times I feel like I focus on that and been better on it, but I feel like that's, man, back home, I feel like going over to Jordan Allen's house He's like the most positive person always. And you're joking saying I'm positive. You got to be because I don't feel like I am at all. Cause Jordan, I was joking. Like I'll come back up the arena and I'm just after a run like ready to quit my life, you know. And I don't throw a fit. It's not that. You could just see it on me, right? And he'll be like, oh, man, wasn't it bad, you know? Just kind of help him through it next no, that, time. No, it's, no. it's not as bad as it seems that he's always no, he, so upbeat. He, he says he says those words, but he doesn't say it that way. He goes, "It wasn't that bad." No, he he's always just so <laughs> positive and carries himself in like a way where like <clears throat> it's fixable. It's not the end of the world. You're okay. You stay and like line. man. I think that that's good for me to be around because I can get to where I'm just like, oh, I want it to be right, and and I care so much about the horse or see the potential in them. And I want to be doing that. So I think one of my holes is that I think one of my good things is that I'll listen to any, I'll listen to it. It don't mean I got to use it, but I might put it in my back pocket for later for another horse. Cause like I might see Nick doing something and I'm like, man, I'd never work on this horse, but I'm also like, but it might work on one down the road. You know what yeah. I mean? Me and you talked today and you were telling me about a horse and you said, this what worked on him scored. And I'm like, you tell it. And I say, I agree. Dot, dot, dot on that horse yeah, because it's so specific to the horse a lot of times. Yep. So it's like we got all these Rolodexes of training ideas and things that worked with different types of horses that when you run along one, ah, I've had one of those before. Let me try that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think is so fascinating is that a person's insecurities about themselves show up in their horses. And I never understood that. I heard people say like, you can't have an ego when you're training horses. And I'm like, I can't imagine if you're going through all the motions, why that matters. And I think the older I've gotten, what I see is like, if I need a horse to be so good because so-and-so is going to try him, or I'm going to take him to this place and so-and-so is going to be there, like I will put unfair expectations onto that horse because of my, my headspace versus thinking about that horse, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. And so that goes along with what you're saying. Like if you're having a bad day, that day is going to transfer into your decision-making on what that horse needs in that moment. It is so hard to keep yourself turned off to the benefit of a horse. It is so hard to take 
like personal home life issues and not let that bleed over into what that horse is, is getting. And that's, you know, they, they say like a dog, uh, like a good dog and a good horse are a reflection of the person that's dealing with it. Right. And I, I think that makes sense to me more now than it ever did before is like, it's hard to your point, like we're saying about like, if you're having a bad day and not letting it bleed over, those kinds of things, the older I've gotten, makes so much more sense. And not even day to day. I mean, horse to horse. I've seen Nick do that. I've seen Nick get in a mess with one and then crawl out of it, get to a stopping point. Cool. Got got somewhere, get off, gets on the next horse. It's like Sorry, that didn't just happen. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's what you want. This, you got to do that. It's what, it's what you have. That's the job. That's a taken. That's taken a minute to learn. <laughs> I, I would honestly say that's a strength of mine now. Yeah. Carry it over, but it wasn't before. Yeah. It damn sure wasn't. Before. It's like when your mom and dad would get mad and they'd spank your one sibling and then they're like, and you know, while I'm at it, you're like, look, what's great. Yeah. Your horses are like, dude, stop. He's getting on me next. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I don't think that I get mad as much as like at the horse as much as I get disappointed and down on myself. Like, so I'm call, going to the next horse like, well, aren't you doing something? Look but at you. The other you know. thing is learning. I think, I think sometimes now I say this, there is, there is no junk at my house. But when there was a few or I think the order in which your item matters. Yeah. Oh, dude. I think if you oh, get dude. one. Keep if you talking. One Keep talking. I want to hear what, what, how do you determine the order? Because I well, agree. You know every one of them. I know every one of them inside and out. If you've mm-hmm. wrote them, you know their attitude. You know their willingness. You, there, there's some of them that are really good, but you got to kind of know what buttons to push. And you got to, you know, some of them are really good horses or can be argumentative, if you want to say. Some of them are just every day they just give you everything that you ask for willingly, right? Yeah. And do you get on your favorite ones first or your least favorite or do you mix them up? Oh, I I mix I mix them up, but I usually what I'm getting at is like if you have a rough spell on one, if one is very time consuming, I might switch and write a different one next that I know is just one that you just is going to put a smile on your face, right? And you just it keeps you from yeah, being irritated or yeah. just Put you back in a, a good spot. And it doesn't, they all have bad days. They all have yeah. good days. I mean, they're just like us. It doesn't matter. But that, I think the order in which you ride one is is important sometimes. It, and some days, there's days, I, I can't, there's a couple weeks ago, and I told my wife, or I was like, there was not one of them that wasn't great today. Yeah. And like, by the end of the day, you just rode through everything. And you're, you're like, like clicking your heels on the way to the Holy house. cat, like. You know, there's always one of them that has a little struggle or something that you got to stop and fix and work on specifically, it feels like, every day. And that's another thing, though, but is I think they, you got to let them tell you what that thing is. Is you can't, if you start with an expectation of, man, he's got to be this today, we got to get to here today. I think you're asking for frustration. Yeah. He's got to tell you. He's got to tell you what he needs to work on. Like as you warm up, when you catch him, as you warm up. You're warming up. Your mm-hmm. first steer. That's there's right. a lot of stuff that they're going to tell you just, I think. And you got to be mature enough to listen. That's right. So integrated ad here also, and this is actually a true story, so it goes good with the ad. But I noticed last year he'd gotten hot and we we're roping like early in the morning as much as we could. And I had noticed just a kind of a dull resistance, just a general dull resistance. We got bring a chin solar lights. Of course, that's going to come up. But to be honest, when we started open at night and they weren't out there in the heat, I noticed how much different their mentality was. Like what I realized was I wasn't doing anything wrong. They didn't want to be out there and I didn't want to be out there. Um, uh, Ropes, the way that the ropes hold up when their sand's 120 degrees, like 
the reason I use classic ropes, no offense, you two. You're welcome, David. Shout out. Shout out. The reason David and I use the best ropes that they make is because they hold up for so long. Okay, I'm just kidding. That sounds too much like commercial. But, but like you're dragging your ropes and it's just tearing them up and, and they're getting fuzzy and turning over. And then you go back to roping at night and now your steers are better. Your horses are better. And what I, what I noticed is that I was frustrated with the horse. The horse was frustrated with me. And all that was happening was it was 110 degrees outside. That's the only thing that was wrong. There was just an element of physical discomfort that they were dealing with that I was trying to fix that wasn't going to be fixed. Um, Jason, when you look at your thin spots, is there, and, and it's weird because it is a blind spot, right? Because if you knew what it was, you'd already fixed it. Mm-hmm. So is there anything you've discovered recently that you're now addressing? Maybe that's a better way to say it. Because if it was an actual thin spot, somebody would fix it. But is there anything you're seeing that you're like, you know, that right there, I need to probably keep in mind. I think the <clears throat> main thin spot, I, I do train on emotion sometimes. Like if a horse makes me mad, like that one yesterday, made me mad. Okay, by the time I got on him, I was mad at him. Let's be honest, you were kind of grumpy a little bit this I week. Was a, a couple little grumpy days. anyway. You ate too much one day, and then it just carried over <laughs> the next day. So, so to not, I mean, to actually give the horse a chance to be good, uh, that's something I've been working on. Right. Or like, try to, almost it's a mind trick for me, like, imagine he's going to have the best day of his life, and then he may just surprise you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or to train the horse for what they are instead of what you think they ought to be, I think is one of the things that I've had problems with in the past. And uh, I think I have higher expectations for what my horses are supposed to be now than what I have in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get into the futurity game more. And I, and that's where these guys have been a wealth of knowledge because they're both really into the show world and paying attention to where, uh, what everything presents as rather than just how it feels, you know, watching video, Mm. like the first steers I roped on the futurity colt that I'm showing at the Royal Crown was at Nick's arena. Yeah. And he had perfect little trainer cattle. And he can, I mean, he, he might recall it a different way, <laughs> but. Oh, he has. That mare, day, you can tell your wife. That mare would like lay on her belly every time a cow kind of moved, right? And she's cool now. <laughs> hey, Jason's putting on Facebook, this mare will get on her belly, son. Yeah, she will. <laughs> she would. And he's, he was really reassuring me because I'm like, this is terrible. And he's like, hey, what you hate about her now, you're going to love about her later. And, she's, right. and he's and, right. And he's right. Yeah, yeah. so, so right. You know, there's a there's a book called The Way to Love, and it's an interesting, it, there's an interesting concept. I was talking to Jacob McLean about it today about relationships with people, mm-hmm. completely separate from any of this. And one of the, the concepts that book talks about is approaching a person like it's your first encounter with them ever, every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, because we carry in bad habits or hurt feelings or bad experiences or good experiences or whatever, and we don't let that person have a fair start that day. Mm-hmm. And so because you come in with previous experiences, you really damage the community around yourself. You know, you're not really building a healthy community because you carry so many of the previous experiences. And, and what's unfair about that is like sometimes you were having a bad day. And you were the reason that that person was prickly back. Mm-hmm. And then now it's a bad experience and it just, it goes downhill. Right. Mm-hmm. And at a personal level, I think that's an interesting concept of like, what would I, what would I do different 
if every time I saw somebody, I treated them as though I'd never met them and I just let them be who they were that day. And like what you're saying about horses, if you, if you carry yourself that way in everything, I think there are times that a horse really was getting ready to have a good day. And because of previous, you get after them and then you just take away that opportunity for that horse to really apologize in a sense. Yeah. And now it's just a perpetual fight. Well, I think you, I don't know, even if you don't get after them, like you try to hide those spots or protect them from, from messing up, right? Because we know yeah, things you can yeah. do to hide that deal, whether it's keep a leg on them here, do this. But if you all, if you never expose the problem, then you can never fix it. So I think sometimes you can ride. I That was a fault of mine. And I feel like I'm a lot better at that. But a couple of years ago was riding and I could get a colt to do all this stuff. And then somebody said, well, put, well, Slick said, put your, hey, put your hand down and make him do it now. And it was like the colt just, I don't want to say it fell apart, but he obviously couldn't do half the things if I didn't have light to moderate contact on him in this snaffle. But, well, then it was like, oh. So it was like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. I'm protecting these horses in a way, like helping them through things. And that is okay for a while, but I think also you got to let them make the mistake and screw up. And I, I think that, that uh, you can get to where maybe you're not, you're not trying to get after them, but you're trying to help them too much. And you got to let them mess up. Would you agree with that, Nick? Or you think that's crazy? Oh, that's like a whole. I could do a whole. Yeah. Complete podcast on. It's like a her- helicopter parent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you got to. <clears throat> if you do all the work, they never get solid. If you yeah. do everything for them, they never get solid. You uh, got to let them mess up a little bit, fix them, show them what you're, where you're wanting to be, what you're wanting to do. Put your hand back down and do yeah. it. Let them do it again. Yeah. And when you Nine, think, and when you when you think they're ready, you jump on ropingcalendar.com. You'll find you a jackpot there in Wickenburg. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I actually enjoy this. Uh, this isn't how we're going to do commercials. Together, but I am enjoying sitting over here thinking of ways to integrate all of our ads into this podcast because it's just buddies keeping up. probably good for your success. This would be really hard to do with somebody that's like pouring their soul out. I'm like, that reminds me. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I liked you better when you were a washing machine. <laughs> Getting out of this thing with your life is your refund. In anybody probably that's ever came for a lesson, anybody that's ever asked me about anything, that's that's probably my biggest pet peeve is people like pulling on them and not and just doing everything for them, never turning them loose and finding out what you got. Yeah, yes. drive around that pickup with your foot on the clutch all day and see how long it lasts. Right, exactly. And then they just they never get. If you don't, they never get solid. They yeah. never get solved, and they don't know what's, I mean, right around. And yesterday, well, my wife's got a young horse, and she's riding, and he's real gentle. He's a really nice horse, and she does a really good job with him. And she was talking about stuff yesterday, and I said, well, like, that horse is four. Like, he don't, he can't read the cow's mind. She goes, well, he took a step too close over here. Well, you got to let him, and then back him back off and show him, hey, now I need you over here. And it's not a... Then it doesn't become a big deal, but he can't read the cow's mind. One day he will be able to, or dang close. But well, it just comes with experience. And that's what you and me were talking about. Is like when a horse has got a ton of ability and gets really nice, really fast. You can forget that. You can forget that that horse is four. You can forget that he's still learning, and your expectations for him can almost outpace what he's mentally able to do. And so he has what would be a normal day for a horse his age but it feels like a bad day. And so you're getting after him because how good he has been. And it's like, it's important to remember, like, wait a minute. He's not having a bad day. He's just finally having a day that fits his age. 
and that's okay. You don't have to fix it today. I think there's another thing between like training and there's, there's days they need trained on and there's days they need patterned. There's days they just need roped on. Score some, rope, make good runs, quiet runs, easy runs. Hey, you got to go do it, you know, six, seven, eight times in a row. Like we don't need to score, no babysitting. Like just go rope some steers, let them relax, not ask them to be just perfect. And I think that's a big deal too because when they stay truly relaxed, when you do have to adjust something, they accept it. They're not bracing up to it. They're not, they're not panicking when you're asking for something. Yeah. And I think we all could tend to train on one too much. That was some, this actually, I'm not joking. This actually does go into a really good segue. I'm, I swear I'm not being funny. I went to Dan Scarborough's with roperbuildings.com. That actually just fit. Um, if you haven't checked them out, check them out. Roperbuildings.com. Have you seen any of them yet? By the way, have you guys seen any of their barns? They look residential. He's got his up. Not the point. The point is, uh, I took a horse over there that I had been kind of just going slow on and just roped. Just roped. That's up. I didn't take him over there to fix him, but I can't take him over there to train him. And that's what was frustrating is that he had such a good day that I'm like, why, why am I always, why do I always carry an agenda into every single day? Why am I carrying an agenda? Why? And again, I will say I've overcorrected because I'm not jackpotting and I do just kind of pattern slowly and pattern and pattern and pattern and fix as we go. But to your point, just letting them go through the motions sometimes and kind of just keeping them like, you know, the bumpers on a bowling lane, just kind of keeping them on the lane a little bit. What do you think makes it makes a teacher more proud, say a, a kid in school, one that like, like learns something and gets a good grade on their test and you're like, wow, I did my job, right? I taught this kid these math problems, which showed him how to solve these math problems, he passed the test. I mean, it's, it's no different. Like, you should be happy when they pass their test, right? Right. They go somewhere away from home, and they're good. They go to a jackpot. They go to the rope and rodeo. Go to the fraternity. Go somewhere, and they pass the test. Like, I mean, you're a teacher. Well, right? there's, a, there's a saying in philosophy that perfect is the enemy of great because we want perfect so bad that we'll bypass great because great comes with flaws. You know, even in greatness, there's going to be little mistakes here and there. But if the pursuit of perfection outweighs the pursuit of great, you'll, you'll ruin the greatness by demanding perfection. Yeah. What's the, what's the pottery from Japan that, that celebrates the flaws? Do you get, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. This is important. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're out on that. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. No, because it's, it's interesting. Only you. That's such a joy. Kintsugi. Listen, it's called Kintsugi. It's the Japanese art of repair. What it does is instead of, instead of presenting a perfect piece of pottery, any flaw or any crack is left in there as part of the process. And it's like it's celebrating that those flaws or those cracks were a part of the process. And so instead of like in our, our culture, in our American culture, shut up, Jason. Sounds like somebody's <laughs> just bad at pottery. <laughs> Listen, y'all might all learn something because I asked y'all and y'all didn't know about it. Um, <laughs> you did too. We had, in this American culture, we've got this social media approach where we only post our, our wins. We only post our successes. We only post when it's good. This is what it is. And we get this idea that that's what everybody's every single day is like. Well, we know that our every single day isn't that way. And so then we're comparing to their stage performance and we're looking at our own backstage. And, and I think that when a guy, exactly what you said, it was, if like, let them go do it well. If they do it well, let that be okay. Don't get after them if it's not perfect. And that's probably true of people also. It's like, 
the expectations or the demands sometimes are more of a reflection of my issues than the horse's issues. Like I'm wanting the horse to be perfect because of what it says about me, not because that horse is trying and I'm letting him do it to be okay. You know, this is not at all on topic, but I was just sitting here thinking about the group of guys, and it's funny that the same thing I get, well, it's they're so opposite, these guys, to me. Uh, when I go to Nick's house, Nick will be one of the only guys that will just say, in a short amount of time, like a knowing that just like, oh, the horse is a little strong there, or I see him pushing on you there. Well, that's so good for me to hear because like most I don't know it's because I'm intense or people don't care or whatever, but they they don't say it. Whereas Jason's the other end of the spectrum, like super positive. Like, man, that horse looks so good right there. And not and not and both of them are right in the in the moments when they're saying it, but it's just I, I know that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I was just thinking how different that is. That if I go to Nick's, Nick's pretty cut and dry with me and says it and even, even moments like extinct, and you're like, Oof. And then you go back and look on video, and you're like, oh, Nick was dirty right right there. I was definitely doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's so good for me to hear. Same thing. You also need the buddy that's like, hey, man, you got some stuff working for you right there. That one's right. going. So it's funny that I go to both of them's house, but both of them are so black and white as far as – and not that Nick's always the guy to say something negative. I don't mean it like that at all. Not to say it like in those words. <laughs> but, but no, no. I think it's just good for you to have both of that in your life. What I hear you know? is Nick has a way better eye for what's going no. on than Jason. No, well, he I did mention he goes, and when Nick says that, I've noticed he's usually right. Ugh, why don't we no. polish Nick's buckle? No, uh, Nick, no joke. I mean, he said it about my best one before, and I thought, man, he was – he went in my head at the time, and I didn't defend it to him because I want that feedback. And I went back and looked at the video. I was like, he was exactly right. So then the next time I go over there, I'm like, all right, what else can he find? You know what I mean? Like, what else? Because that's what I, we want to be better, right? <laughs> like, so that's what I think that's so healthy to have in your life. Somebody that speaks into your life, and then somebody that speaks in your life a way like they're constructive. Like, that was helpful to me. He wasn't bragging on anything. He didn't want anything bad for me. He was helping me. You know what I mean? I can't see it. Um, from outside perspective, it felt pretty good. Well, I didn't realize that horse was being pushy right there, but he was. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know. Just a cra- side note, but it's just funny that how different it is. I'm going to go on a limb here and say this. There are times I don't want to hear someone interject on a day, and that doesn't mean I'm not willing to listen or learn. It's not that at all. But I will admit there are times where I'm working on something, and I know what I'm working on. And it's easier for me to just keep working on that thing because I know kind of where it's going. And it's hard for me to have somebody go, hey, have you ever thought about I'm like, that's not what I'm doing. Like, I get it. I understand that. But that's not what I'm doing right now. And to hear it from somebody that is like, in their mind, they're further down the road and they're trying to explain something to you. And yet you're like, no, I remember doing that this way then but the reason i'm doing it now this way and so there are times and it's a weird bounce and i agree with you about like listening and critiquing it's nice to be around friends and i think you and me have talked more than probably any other horse trainer friend i've got about like the demonstrations on this and that or whatever but like the opposite of that if somebody were listening it's like yeah man i want to i want to critique my friends i want my friends to critique me like yeah but every now and then there, it, there is a balance am i am i the only one that feels that well, way look is at it, the, is it? Well, look at the quality of guys i'm getting that information from though so that's if somebody is listening, look, surround yourself with people that can speak into it that are advanced and what they do. 
And then, yeah, I would listen to them, but it, I wouldn't go just asking my backyard buddies that go to the jackpot with me all the time that are roping my level. These guys are better than me. Let me ask my, you. Let that that doesn't hurt me to say that. Like, let me ask you this. And I'm, I'm curious, Jason and Nick also. Are you, would you rather get critique when you've asked for it? Or would you rather somebody feel the ability to step in and say something without it? I realize I'm walking on real thin ice here because the truth is I really do like, I really do like when somebody sees something that I don't see. I can't tell you how many times, Jason, we've been healing and I'm like, please help me. I don't understand what I'm seeing. Like it, I, I would hope, I would hope that in our experiences, I'm not the guy that is unteachable. I hope. And if I am, I wish y'all would say something. I hope I'm not. But just so that we've explored both sides of this, is it, am I wrong to say that sometimes it's just like, okay, not to... <clears throat> So to answer your question for me personally, like I, I give lessons to team, team ropers, okay? So they're in a, it's in a format where they come to yeah. me for information, yeah. right? Yeah. Hardly anybody wants critiquing unless they ask for it, in my opinion. Like, but I will say the times I was not receptive about somebody giving me a critique on a horse training issue or a roping issue. It was more my ego was bowed up and I was going to show them or they didn't understand what I was going through. <laughs> you know, it was more just my own self getting in the way. And they weren't, a lot of times they were right, yeah. you know, on, on their assessment of what was going on. If I could check my ego and actually calm down a little bit. And cause when I start, messing up like I instantly I go right to anger for some reason like I'm I get mad at myself I get down I get mad at whatever situation it is you know yeah when I deal with adversity that's how I deal with adversity you yeah. know so um it's probably just more ego for me uh if somebody's trying to insert their opinion of what's going on or what they're perceiving and a lot of times they're spot on okay but if I'm not in a good place to listen to it, right. then it's like, dude, just mind your own business, right? So Well, and, and I, I think maybe the foundation, the basis of this is that I grew up, not grew up, but like during my teenage years, there were, we would go to, we would hold community team ropings mm -hmm. and everyone would show up. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking every form of team roper except good. Mm -hmm. And it was always the guys that knew the least that wanted to interject the most often. Mm -hmm. The armchair quarterback. Because right? they'd heard something. They didn't understand it. They didn't really understand what they were hearing. They just heard it, and they were looking for someone to, like, regurgitate it back yeah. out onto. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, for a lot of years, for me, it was like, the people that want to run around and like give you advice and not read the room or like if you're in the middle of something, we'll go, well, I'll tell you what you should do yeah. when you didn't <laughs> yeah. ask, right? Yeah. Like you're in the middle of something. I, let me, I Have you thought about and you're like, yeah. I kind of run the other way from it now. Like I won't say anything unless specifically asked because I'm like, oh, I see that going on over there. I've been there and yeah. then I'm going to say we're here on my horse. That Well, that's the other half of that is there are times like it's just, it's like somebody will try to offer you advice and it's like, I don't, it's not that I, I'm against it. It's not that, I hope it's not my ego. It's that like, did you notice me chasing you for advice? Like, and or, or did I run down you like, like, 
there's just a certain level of of respect or camaraderie, I think that's required first in the basis of this. Yeah. If you just show up at some guy's house and you're going to show up and give that guy advice, it's like, read the room. Now, I will say this. I've gotten it wrong, even with David. I remember one time I was having a very bad day about something completely unrelated to team roping, and David said something, and I, I will, I, I'm fully confessing and repenting of, like, I did not take it very well, and I had to call David back, dude, hey, I— that wasn't you, man. But like, you asked me, I'm and that's sorry. the only reason why I said it. Right. Yeah, but I, and, like, I went over there. I could see you were in a way, and so I was like, I'm going to not say anything. And then you were like, hey, what do you think about this? Well, and so my point is, like, I've done that wrong. I'm not saying that, like, the way that I've executed it has always been a 1,000% um, at all. So what in case, Nick? just to go on the record. Is what like, about Nick? I want to hear Nick's take on this. He's got the mind. I feel like this is a good take. I was going to say exactly what you said. I think, I think the people that talk the most are usually the ones that know the least. Yeah. I mean, it's very seldom the people say Jason, I've, we've talked a lot of horse training, obviously we've roped a lot together at the house, but there's always a question involved, right? Like, Hey, what do you think about this? Or we visit about something. David had at, when David came over, he had said something or at like, and I said, well, I comment on what that horse looked like and whether I, I also think Everybody knows if you're honest with yourself, you know where you rank mm-hmm. and, and in ways in the arena That's on right. a feel. When I was when I was younger, when we lived in, in Colorado and I'd go rope with JD Yates a little bit or go rope and Jay Wadhams, I was roading with Wadhams. JD or Dick would watch and they wouldn't say a lot, but when they spoke, you listened, right? right? And they didn't have to say a lot. And it wasn't like harping on you, but they would like they would answer my questions honestly and, and thoughtfully. They would tell me what, and I, I think the reason they did that was because they knew I, I was legitimately trying, right? Mm-hmm. I was not taking what they said and saying, ah, no, whatever. Like I would, whether I could do it or not, I was trying to do what they're asking, yeah, what they're talking about. Because the opposite was, of that would have been someone asking, but really what they're looking for is a compliment. Like, right. hey, um, what do you, like when I asked Jason right. the other day, I jokingly, like, mm-hmm. do you think like an average guy could have got that steer back? Only, but being serious, where they're like, hey, what do you think about this? And then you tell them and they're like, well, screw you, buddy. And it's like, well, you weren't, like, I feel like I, you can set people up or like, I thought you were asking. I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I literally thought you were asking. So I gave you an answer, not realizing you were asking for a compliment. Right conversations are good like when you're out there working on stuff because everybody's got a different feel for this or that but most of the time I I think if anything most of my friends that I rope with say that are lower numbered are like kind of more disappointed that I don't give more information because I when I was younger oh like I hated I hated just I if I asked for something I I did the whole getting harped on constantly for every little thing you do wrong drives me crazy. Like I won't do that with anybody. I won't do that with my kids. I, I just, like you can talk about it unless it's something dangerous. If they're doing yeah, something right, dangerous, right, I right. won't come uncorked immediately. Like, I, but I, I ain't harping on them for normal, just roping mistakes. And I hate it when somebody did it to me when I was a kid. And, but I think, you know, if you're being honest with yourself, if you are truly being honest with yourself, you know when to listen and you know when somebody's offering good information. And if it kind of depends on who you surround yourself with. That's too. Right. I mean, like we're not the three of us. I'm, if, if I see something with, if I watch Jason, heal five steers on a horse and I see something, there has never been a 
point in time where he hasn't like we haven't had a conversation and listened and like it was a positive like well but you're it smart. was it wasn't coming from a place like in in the same token I always like I feel like when Jason comes over with our healing I usually help him with stuff with his horses and we talk about it and he helps me stuff with my roping right. and he sees stuff with my rope it's like man you need a little more width or a little more distance or you guys swear like right you know this that or the other whatever the the thing may be so it's it's we are trying to help each other right right well, and i think there's wisdom too and like if you see somebody do something wrong the wisdom to say okay i'm not going to say anything because more likely than not that person will have fixed it themselves by the next run meaning they didn't need me to have an opinion about it like i don't i really i really hope this is true about myself unless it's just a blind spot i really hope i'm not the guy running around telling everybody what i would be doing i really stay out of it like you said i almost because i had so much so much of the advice in my life started with i read an article in spin to win and let me tell you what you need to be doing and it's like just give me a second like it's not that i'm against advice but like just it's not it's not coming from an experience that you've been through you're doing what's called an appeal to authority and an appeal to authority says I will grab someone's name that's way up here and I will tell you advice using that person's name. So it would be like if I was like, all right, Nick, you missed that. By now, you've heard me brag up and down about the Ranch Hands Solar Lights. Um, I've said they, they, you've heard this. They, they are the reason I was able to keep up and going through the summer. Uh, we went fully to Graveyard and they were, they were a lifesaver for us. Um, hurry and get them ordered. If you're thinking you might get them, you know, you might someday buy some, get them ordered right now. There's a little bit of a waiting list. They will get to you, but order them now to get on the list. I'm telling you. Pro Series lights have been a complete game changer. I have my other lights, the smaller ones that I had before over my stalls, keeping hair off my horses. Check them out. Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. They're on all the social medias. Um, it, I, I mean, I can, what do I say? I can't brag on them enough. I, I, I recommend them, but then, you know, because they're my friends and because I love them, it starts to sound like a sales pitch. So to avoid that, I'll just tell you, check them out. Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. If you have not yet checked out LoneStar.TV, uh, I would argue that it is the greatest online church in the U.S. I'm probably a little partial. Uncle Randy and Aunt Darla have done a great job. It is one of the premium churches offered online and it is the number one cowboy church offered online. So with everybody traveling, the way that schedules go and everybody being busy, uh, it's a place that's really prioritized making that experience as intimate and personal as possible. So you guys check them out at LoneStar.TV. There are buildings going up in Arizona right now, brought to you by Roper Buildings. You guys can check them out at roperbuildings.com. Also, one of the things I've said, and I, I really would encourage you to do, is go check out their social media. Um, you think Pole Barn, and instantly I, I've said it before, you feel like it's grandpa's hay shed. It is so much more. It's got such a residential feel. It can be customized. It's done by professionals, people that have made a, a tremendous impact in the industry for a long time. You're getting to tap in not only to their expertise and experience, but some of the best quality workmanship you'll find. All right, Nick, you missed that steer. So what Speed Williams would say is, and then I tell you, well, Speed Williams may not even agree with me. Speed Williams not even have a clue what I'm saying, but I'm using his name so that you can't argue because I'm not actually giving you my opinion. I'm actually giving you his. And it's like, I'm trapped. I'm trapped under that appeal to authority. This isn't even roping or horse training. This is people or books or being lawyers or electricians or plumbers. Like when you will appeal to someone else's opinion versus just saying, okay, in my experience, this was my experience that I had. And this is something that helped me. When I will try to appeal to someone else's authority so as to give advice as though I'm that person's spokesperson, 
That's such a hard thing. And to my point, if a guy will just be quiet and sit back, more often than not, a guy will correct something on the second or third run, and they really didn't need you to, like, interject and have an opinion on it. And, like, I think we've all kind of lent, lent ourselves, like, our opinion to it, but, like, surrounding yourself with the right people. And it's easy to sit here and say that because I live in Stephenville and I'm in Wickenburg now, but, like, Jason grew up in Idaho. You know, and I grew up in northeast Louisiana, and there's not a whole – and that, no no shot at anybody up there. Those guys would tell you that too. Like, we were all learning together, you know what I mean, on whatever horses we could make at, as we were learning. And so it's not – you could say, yeah, surround yourself with great people. Well, yeah, I live in the capital, capital of the world. You know what I mean? You guys live in the team rope in capital of the world. That's easy to say when you yeah. live in those two places. But I guess, too, the other side of that would be – then if those people aren't qualified and they don't have some kind of accolades or don't have a horse that's very nice, everybody wants to give you horse training advice, but they don't have one that they've made that they can show off that did anything. But they want to tell you how to ride your horse. Well, just look around you and see that. And then maybe it's not a bad idea. Now there's so many online roping schools or people doing it. I would listen to them before I would listen just to Joe Blow or your buddy, or a guy that's riding a very low-end horse telling you how to handle your horse. You know, I'm taking advice from guys that I believe both of you guys are more ropey than me. And so, yeah, I'll always listen to you guys about that stuff because I appreciate that about you. Uh, but I think it's easy to tell a kid that, you know, like I said, I sit here and say, oh, surround yourself. That's such a generic answer, but it really is true. If you don't have qualified people around you, then don't listen. You know, and I remember being in situations now looking back on it where, like, people would tell me stuff, but I had my own arena, so I was over at their house roping, and you kind of felt like you needed to do it. You know, take him with his head turned. He'll learn to not turn his head. You know what I mean? And, like, you're like, oh, man, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> you're like, like that's not going to work okay out. Would it be okay with you if I didn't do that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Have you been in a situation like that where, so I guess all that encompassing to say, like, it really does matter who you surround yourself with, but you can be listening to this in a part of the world where, like, dude, I don't know where people are. Then go to a roping school, save up your money, yeah. clean stalls, do whatever, and go to somebody like Jason that'll work with you or go to a Charlie Crawford or a Nick Player, whoever it is, to, like, build your skill set and then work. go home, work on that, work on that. Man, I feel like I kind of got that. And then go somewhere else and then keep on doing that, right? I think that would benefit a guy. This is – that's a big – so – my boys both play travel baseball, very serious baseball players. And this, it's a, that's a perfect example, and it goes with the roping. I think it goes with uh, school teachers. It goes, just because you have a degree that says you're a school teacher, are you actually qualified to teach my kid? Just because you tell everybody you're a baseball coach, do you actually know the correct stuff to teach my kid about baseball? Do you... It roping is no different. Just because you tell everybody you know something about roping, because, I mean, you can make up whatever you want in your head. It doesn't mean that you're actually qualified. But, I mean, that's, that's so many things in life. But that's a big thing. That's a big thing we deal with with my boys playing baseball. Do you remember, I mean, do you remember Billy Bob Thornton's character in Tombstone? He had his little thing, and, like, there were people that would put up, and he's bullying and yelling at everybody, and then Wyatt comes and straightens him out, right? 
I think you see that in a lot of walks of life too, where somebody has surrounded themselves with people who will listen to their nonsense. And they really want people who will listen to their coaching, not because they're qualified to coach, but they, they like the authority that comes with it. And it is really, it is really a difficult thing for someone who has ever experienced that to have been under the authority of an unqualified authority figure that creates a lot of damage in people because you're like, I had to be forced to do things incorrectly under a, you know, Billy Bob Thornton's character that you're, you can create problems for people like with authority by making them do things that turns out to be wrong. If Jason gives a lot, Jason probably gives the most lessons out of anybody here. And I will promise you that he has had this happen. And there has been people come and I'm not going to give specific examples, but just say names, the things, <laughs> the, just things the, the things that they shout say, out who <laughs> <laughs> the things that they say they learned or somebody told them. And you're like, what? I mean, it is so out there or so wrong that, well, my daddy said that every single horse after the 50th whip over the head, all, all of them will get it. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's, I mean, right or wrong. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Do you ever have people argue with you? They're like, well, that's not what so-and-so said. And you're like, who? Not for very long because I usually <laughs> am like, that road that come, you come in, it goes right out. <laughs> but the only thing I usually tell people is if somebody doesn't, have what you want why would you listen to them like if they don't rope like you want to rope then why would you listen to them about roping yeah you know i understand like basketball a lot of those people that coach maybe weren't top level yeah you know but in team roping um i think personally <clears throat> if somebody rides their horse like you want to ride your horse i'm i'm, I'm all about picking their brain like because he might know something I don't know. Yeah. And good chance he does because his horse functions better than my horse. Right. Um, roping is no different. You know, it's just apply it into anything in life, really. So what about you and Nick? And David, I want to ask you the same question on a different level. But you and Nick, I would say that as a friend, you guys, what you guys do with heel horses is next level, both of you. Nick makes good head horses too. That's not taking anything away from Nick's head horses. But when I watch y'all's heel horses, I would say that that is, that is where I see like, man, that is, I never see you guys ride bad ones, honestly, head or heel horses. But yeah, do you guys, horses. do you guys agree on every single thing? Or is there a place where you have a certain thing that you like to do and you do it different that you guys have had just like shake hands and agree? Like we disagree on that. I don't think we, there's different techniques i think that work on different horses you know so like david was saying before like that won't maybe work on this horse but it'll work on the next one so when i observe or i ask a question to nick on a horse and how he has a horse shaped up or how he has a horse stopping like to me he he pays more attention to detail than i do like i'll kind of just roll with the run like if Nick doesn't feel something right, he'll he'll pick it right out and he'll work on that thing. Mm. And I kind of brush over it with a broad brush, where I feel like he gets in there and does the detail. Well, and I don't even I don't necessarily mean the way that you guys administer it differently. I understand what you're saying. I really mm -hmm. was curious if there's a way that if there's ever been a time where you guys will disagree on something, 
like as friends, not like mm-hmm. as, as adversaries or anything like that. But has there ever been a time where you guys go, I we, just see that difference? We have never had any sort of a marital spat whatsoever. I didn't make it gay. What happened? <laughs> I'm sorry. What happened right there? It what turned. just happened? What just it, happened? It turned. It just turned. <laughs> Get that bow no. off. Like, if, say if I ask Nick a question, okay, I owe it to Nick to try it, okay? Yeah, right. I'm not saying like, okay, this, it's his opinion of what I need to apply at that time, right? right? Most of the time, if I'm asking a question, we just got done making a run, and I'm like, okay, what do I do about this? And he'll give me the what he would do. That's yeah. his opinion of this situation. If I don't think it will work, or if I, but I owe him, to, I owe to it, it to him to try, right? right? If you asked. Yeah, if I asked. Yeah. I honestly want the answer. I don't need him to agree with me. Right. Okay. I, and a lot of times I'll try it a few times and it's like, man, I just don't, maybe I'm not applying it. Maybe I didn't. You don't get right. the same results from it. He gets it. That's fine. Well, you of, just don't have the same experience. That a lot he of had. training is timing too. His yes. timing's different than mine. That's right. Yeah. You know, and vice versa. And it, it don't make it right or wrong. It's just how fast does he apply that? How it, and the horse is an infinite amount of variables, also, right? Right. So, you're asking a, a precise question to a broad, yeah, kind of answer, right? Yeah. So, I mean, what he says versus what I interpret probably is different a lot of times. Right. You know. So, if we do have a difference in opinions, I don't. Be, I'm not like, man, you really led right. me astray there. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> You know, because, but it was, I never have to question. He's, he's on my team, you know, yeah. he's not giving me false information. No, no, no. He's right. giving me his right. best answer for what he perceives is going on. Right. If, if I wanted, if I was answering that, I would say the difference between Jason's horses and my heel horses, my horses, heel horse specific, Jason is a higher level healer than mine. Jason is a rodeo and higher level jackpot healer than I am. My horses are from a, I I would say I have two different types of horses. Like I have horses that I would specifically make as jackpot heel horses. And I have horses that I specifically make as maturity heel horses. And there's a little bit of difference in the style. So the way I ride one 90% of the time anymore is for the maturity style of horse, a little Mm -hmm. more distance, a little prettier, a little more slide you know, um, setting them up for that really perfect go and that really beautiful run because that's what wins. Like, you know, Jason is setting himself up to heal faster and go to a jackpot and catch right. 10 in a row by two feet. I am setting myself up to catch four in a row by two feet and the horse look pretty. But if I have right. to take one or two more swings to do it or I hang back a little bit, Whatever I mean, it's it's just a different. So, so style you guys do run. you guys are having different targets from the in, in a lot of ways. You guys are aiming for different targets. But it, we are in a, in a way. But that goes back to what I said before. Like when I put Jason on my heel horses, it's like he can pick a few things apart, but it's it's pretty rank, you right? Know? I mean, because I mean he heals better than I do, and he he can set it down there, and it's very precise, and back to it you know when i'm healing when i'm roping anymore all the time it's it's so much more training than it is roping for yourself yeah so that's where you know that's why i said it's good for me because he can pick stuff out and help me with my roping he can help me 
you know, right. like jackpot and wise, like he sees me at the jackpot or we say something and I'm like, man, you know, I went over here and I got a leg. And like, if we talk about it, it's mostly because I go with the same mindset of riding and showing my horse rather than just crawling out around him and getting around the steering rope and two feet. Right. Yeah. And so I think, I think it's good. I think it's good because the things we can bounce off each other both benefit, you know, like I said, him with his horses, me with my roping because right. that's, it's a good balance right there. Yeah. It's a good balance for what we're both trying to do. And if I, if I can go in a deep, dark hole of just riding my horses for just the horses and not caring about and my roping get just dull as could be. Right. And... So that's, that's something that I actually really, I really, really enjoy about roping with my uncle, Randy, um, pastor of Lone Star Cowboy Church in Montgomery, Texas, <laughs> Lone Star TV. Uh, he just loves it. He just loves being, he is so happy to be roping that when I'm around him, whether it's exactly how I would do it or not, there's just such a joy that he gets from roping that I can forget. I can forget the joy of why we're doing what we're doing, and Randy never does. If Randy's roping, dude, that guy is happy. And that's something that, whether it's horse training or not, or roping styles or techniques or whatever, that's something I think that has become more important to me the older I've gotten. You know, instead of just needing to be around somebody who's going to make me better. Like, one of the things that makes me want to throw up is when people are like, sit with the winners, the conversation's different. It's like, then why are they going to sit with you? If that's true, why would they sit with you? You can try, and they're not going to want to sit with you because they read the same meme on Instagram you did. Sit with winners, the conversations. Like, okay, I understand getting advice. That's fine. But surround yourself with the kind of character and the kind of people you want to be because that ultimately is going to sustain in other areas of life. And I, I think the older I've gotten, the more I've appreciated being around people whose personalities, positive outlooks, things like that. And that's something I actually really admire about watching you two rope is you guys both as good as you both are at what you do. You guys are both super complimentary. Have you ever been over there while they're roping together? No, I don't believe. Like, no. they are genuinely, like, you can tell Jason has a ton of respect for oh, Nick. Yeah. And Nick has a ton of respect for Jason. That. And, like, as good as they both are, it's always very positive and complimentary. And there's something about that kind of a relationship. You're like, man, that's, I hope that that's the kind of friend that I am. Yeah. I, hope, I hope that's how people feel when I'm around because that has nothing to do with technique or horse training. It has to do with, like, a respect that you guys have for each other. I'll tell you what I can get caught up in, and maybe you guys are guilty of it too, Jordan. I bet, bet you can relate is like. Wait a minute. This better be something nice if you're going to say, Jordan, I bet you can relate. <laughs> bet you can relate. I just miss a lot it's of steers sometimes. Thing I've said hey, hey, Dave's talking about, you know, sometimes I just really can't get it around the horns. Jordan, I bet you can relate. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, uh, I thought he was going to say something about how long his heel ropes last, cause he was, and it was mostly just because they don't get caught very many times. I, uh, so. I, uh, I, uh, man, you get caught up in, like, almost robotic of going through your day and and i'm better about it but i can get in work mode like stay like gotta roll every horse all right let's get through it and like not stopping and really enjoying and it's so overused now but like enjoying the process and enjoying the journey mm -hmm. and like in arizona i do it by stopping taking a deep breath and i'll look out like in your arena, there's mountains. In your arena, there's mountains. I can see mountains in your arena. Like, and so it's like wherever you are, that's so different for a guy from Louisiana and now living in Texas. Like 
even the landscape's beautiful to me. You know what I mean? So just taking that in, all right, and in Texas, just stopping and being like, man, what am I doing here? This is crazy. Look at the horses right. I get to ride now. And appreciating the moment that you're in and the horse that you're on and the environment that you're in instead of getting through. Nick, I feel like Nick maybe will relate to this, and I might be putting that on, not trying to put that evil on. Now he's signed something to you. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll say if he agrees with you. No, but you know what I mean? Like, Nick, I feel like you could be you could be like that because our personalities are similar in that way. We're like, it's just like work, work, work. And then at the end of the day, you did get through them all. You really did do a good job. But, like, did you enjoy it? You know what I mean? And I think I have to take a moment to slow down and be like, hey, you get to, you have a job that you get to. I don't have to do this. I'll, I can do something else. But, like, I get to train horses at good ones. Now, yeah. you know, that's special. That's hard for me because that's, like, my perfectionist personality. I'm never happy at the end of the day. Like, with yeah. just, oh. Super, I thought you might. Like, oh, I didn't get this done. Or yeah. can, I think more about the stuff that you didn't get done rather than the stuff you, all the stuff you did. You, But yeah. my thing, I guess, I think the reflection point – when you like my blue horse when i sold him last year or the really good head horses i've sold or that people are winning on and when you see those horses do something that's more my reflection point you're like hey man i remember all the work that went into that yeah or, i want to be i want to be clear real quick as good as your heel horses were this guy also i got to send him a video of tanner thomason running through the steers at thomas and mac on marshall that was one of nick's head horse i yeah. i want to be very clear that was by no means a knock on your head horses because like man's had some good ones I just felt like I needed to interject that because I didn't mention that earlier. Sorry. I just want to make sure that got mentioned. I, if I, I, my point of reflection is more than like, it's probably more at the end. Like when that payday comes, whatever it is, selling that horse, winning on that horse, sending that horse back home. I mean, there's, uh, like when my customers ride their horses. Yeah, so, I do love Like that. I had a cool, cool black horse Kevin McIntosh had that I've showed. I mean, you guys have seen him a hundred times. And he's just awesome. But when, like, I get a call from Kevin, he's like, man, I'm roping really good on that horse and videos and, and how happy he is or, you know, just that that is more my point of reflection. Yeah. It's like you, you keep working, you keep working, but that's you're like, hey, you know, that, that you're, you're justifies the job you're doing. Yeah. I will say this about Nick, and this is more of a friend thing than anything else, is that Nick, what I've seen is part of what drives your perfectionism isn't, this is going to make me look bad or you're going to make me look bad or you're going to embarrass me. You really like your friends and you really like your people. And so you're driven to do a good job for them. So sometimes you hold yourself to this unrealistic standard because you're wanting to do a good job for your clients and for your people more than they would ever demand of you. You're demanding of yourself. And so I think, I think what I've seen in you is there's such a high drive to do well for your people because you see them as people, not clients. But there are times you hold yourself to an unfair standard. My clients, I, I, I do. I'll tell you what, like this year, if anybody watched or anybody saw, I had a good, good set of horses at Fort Worth and I roped terrible. I did not rope good. I didn't head good. I didn't, I didn't head bad, but I didn't score good. I didn't heal very good. And I mean, I was, it was horrible. I, I did not one person, nobody got mad. Right? But you didn't, but you called me, but you called me after that and you didn't say anything about like, I look dumb or I look stupid or I don't belong or anything. You said, 
I feel like I did a bad job for the people that put that's a lot exactly of trust in me. It. It's that's not, a high degree of character and integrity. I, if I cared about looking dumb by now, boy, that'd be, <laughs> you'd wear a different jacket. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know you love this jacket. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just kidding. But no, you Somebody's you do like, look like a cowboy over that's here. Right. That's good. Yeah, like, but no, it bothers me. Those you people don't like put my, a lot of time. You don't like my bell tie cap. You are the last of a dime breed. A lot of time and a lot of money into those horses. And yeah, it, and that, I'm, that's my responsibility yeah. to do. And and yeah. I did a good job. Nobody nobody has a a horse that they have at home or still at my barn. That's like that's nice. That's when you go to sleep at night, nobody's questioning. Did you actually try for him? Exactly. Because I guarantee you, if Nick has got one of your horses, like he's giving it all he's got, more than he's got. Do like, you get hung up in it, Jason? Just getting through your day, like I'm with Nick when it's over. Nick, yeah, yeah, David. David do you ever cooler. just stop and look? Or I mean, Jason, do you ever just stop and look at the mountains at the end of the open, like David? No, I don't know. Like it just because you get just so grind. I don't, I'm not saying I do. It didn't take two seconds. David, but do you know, I'm we pulling get up what my you're rope. Saying, do you know what I mean? Do you ever stop and and breathe um, like that? Uh, it's easy to get caught up in yeah. the grind. Um, yeah. The day in day out, we. I mean, for me in my place, like I'm trying to fit 50 pounds into yeah. a 25 pound sack. I'll, I'll, no, we were I'll, talking about Nick's jacket. Are we talking about your jeans now? <laughs> <laughs> it's my shirt. <laughs> the jeans are still good. The are shirt's a little that, stretched. I didn't, I didn't even know since you started making bell bottom shirts. <laughs> <laughs> it's the maternity line. <laughs> so, so no, yeah, I mean. I live in a place where I want to live, you know, yeah. like I have an yeah. opportunity, had an opportunity to go on a vacation to the Caribbean that I passed on because I live where I want to Humble, live. humble flex. Did y'all have an opportunity to go to the Caribbean or is that just Jason? Cause I didn't, did you have that? No, no I got better friends than just you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's because you're my friend. <laughs> true, true. But I mean, along those lines. Okay. So like, I mean, we all do stuff we don't want to to yeah. do we all got that one outside horse maybe we own him yeah and it's like gosh i wish i didn't have to ride this horse today you know but i gotta get through him and some days that's like golly that horse got good today mm. and he might not be that good tomorrow but when that sun keeps coming up and here for a few days we're not gonna see it <laughs> when it comes back up then and we see it, it we'll appreciate it right yeah, that's so right. like back to what you said about sitting where the winter set, the conversation's different. My version of that is is if you sit around people that want you to win, yeah. That's what I feel like with this yeah. group. Yeah, for sure. We all want each other to win. For sure. Uh, absolutely. I mean when can Nick you, when Nick quick, has a hard real quick, I want can you I, I want wish you, to, you would just let me well, finish. Listen, but but listen, <laughs> I want you to say it again. I, I I it would be easy for somebody to skip over what you just said. Instead of sit where the winners sit, the conversation is different. Please, I want to, I, I know I interrupted, I'm sorry, but I want to make sure that, because I think that is such a more profound version of that statement. Mm -hmm. Instead of sit where the winners sit, sit with people that want to see you win. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, like I talked to Nick shortly after Fort Worth and I hadn't watched the whole thing, but I had watched some, right? And he didn't perform up to what his standard was for himself. But like, I mean, I was hurting for him, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I mean, I've not known David that long, but if he has a bad show or we've been to some jackpots where we didn't perform together as, as, and we're both on rough, you know, when, when we win, we're on, on each other's team yeah. there too, or, yeah. we, or we're hurting for one another. Yeah. So I'll tell you somebody that's a really, really a good example of that is Carl Christian. 
Like, I don't know that I've ever been around somebody that really genuinely wants to see people win. And I'll tell you the other one, Calgary Smith. If you know Calgary, Calgary roots for his people like a fan. He doesn't root for them like a fellow contestant. Like Carl and Calgary, to me, when I think of like who, the kind of friend that I want to be, those two guys are such a good example of that, of like full on, it's almost like they want to see you win more than they want anything else. It's not selfish. It's not self-invested. They are like, what could I, like more than a million dollars. What do you want? They're like, I want to see you do good. Carl would take that million dollars too, but he <laughs> really wants you to do good. Carl is big time, big time like that. He does, and his, it's, it like, him and I are tight, tight, but it's his people, period. His people, his grandkids, my kids, like my kids in baseball. He's helped my kids with baseball and stuff, and he is, like, he is about them doing good. Yeah. He is there, and I mean, same thing, like, he's got, he owns a gray mare. It's one of the best ones I've got, one of the best ones I've ever rode. She is as good as it gets. And same thing, like she'd had some good, and she didn't do very good at Fort Worth, and he's just, well, I mean, we'll get her next time. I mean, yeah. he could have he could have had a way worse attitude. About you call us just straight to voicemail. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he was there watching. Yeah. If like, your friends so. don't want to see you win, they're not your friends. Well, that, that goes back to what we were talking about too, about advice or saying something well, like David or Jason, if I said something to them and vice versa, they said something. Well, it's not ever, nobody's bristled up about no, it. Right. Because right. I mean, if you're not, Hey, if I see this and I'm like, I think, yeah. And, and, and it's the proofs in the pudding too. It's not like anybody here is like said, unqualified to help the other one. Yeah. Or you're like, man, what do you, you don't know nothing about a head horse. Why would you tell me something about a head horse? Right. You know I mean? So I think nobody ever, that, that goes back to what we were talking about. It's so probably too much information or personal information or whatever, but, um, I went, I went to a counselor and in talking about life experiences and things that I've been through and going through like severe burnout and, and experiences that I've had in my life. And like, I just don't feel like I've always navigated those things very well. And I see almost like wrinkles in my personality that I can acknowledge, but I don't know how they got there. Like things that I would have a hard time being my own friend that I see, if this makes sense. We're talking through it. And he said, one of the things that happens is that you, you can get so, almost wound around the axle that you lose your ability to operate in intimacy. And I know intimacy is not something Cowboys talk about, but like in a friendship, a friendship that lacks intimacy has to replace intimacy with utility. And what I, what the, the explanation as it was explained to me is like somebody that has ha- that has a broken concept of what it means to be a friend. It will always gravitate towards utilitarian function of like, when this friendship is useful for a purpose. Now, it would be easy to be like, that guy's a user. That guy's just a user. When he needs something, he only calls when he needs something, right? But what that is, is it's, you, you, people will, people will uh, digest a friendship through like, we're gonna build something together. We're gonna do something useful together and we're gonna have this project together and that's how you relate to people. And I think that's something that, that I've really felt challenged with is like, am I the kind of friend that feels like we are friends if we're useful to each other or am I genuinely calling because I'm genuinely at the end of the day interested in your well-being and how you're doing because I haven't really ever fostered those kinds of friendships. You know, if I call you, it's usually related to something going on at the moment. I'm just not very good at staying in touch. 
Carl specifically is such a good example of the opposite. Like Carl might just call you because he was driving down the road and saw a bug and thought this and like just want to call and tell you about it. And I'm like, man, that's, those are the kinds of friends, to your point, I can go sit where the winners sit and be a, a parasite because those are useful to me. I can be so narcissistic that I need to be around only winners because of what it says about me. Or I'd be a healthy person that says I want to be around people that want to see me win because I want to see them win also. The statement, only hang out with winners, is a parasitic statement. I, I, I don't want to foster that in my own life. That, that statement to me, though, is like, hang out, sit where the winners, you're talking about winners in the arena, winners in a specific field. When we're talking about this, you're talking about winners in life. Yeah, maybe I didn't win as much as so-and-so last year, but you know what? Life's pretty all right. Like, yeah. I mean, and you can, it's a, it can be a different thing. Not everybody that's a winner in the arena is a winner in life too with right. family, with the things that are more important, right? And you can be both, but I mean. I feel like sometimes, like we've seen team roping clinics. I feel like sometimes I need to enroll in a life clinic. <laughs> I need to go to a clinic with like five other people who are like, man, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like I get real angry and then I don't pay my bills and then I'm kind of grumpy and withdrawn. And they're like, okay, listen, you can do that. Here's how you do it. I, I, I think everybody here is more qualified to do a team roping clinic. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, real quick, last topic for everybody except Jason. I want to talk about Rancho Rio horses this year real quick. <laughs> and then, Jason, here's what I'm going to ask. I want you know all three of the horses. You've seen all three that are going. So we'll wrap this up with your assessment of all three. Oh, Nick's giving five, me, oh, four. Five. Oh, I got four of them going. There's five. Okay, remember One, what I was saying? Two, three, four, five. There's five going you. right here. The Rancho Rio horses that we collectively have, the five amongst us. Thank you. <laughs> uh We'll start with Nick because he's going to talk the longest. So tell us about the herd of horses you got going to Rancho this year. And then, Jason, are you familiar with all four of them? Tell me about them. And I'll tell you if I'm <laughs> so you're going to be the color commentator. We're going to be – we're going to put a spotlight on a horse, and then I want to hear Jason uh, recap because I feel like you're pretty familiar with all of them. Okay. So to st I'll start with mine, my personal one. I have two customer horses and one personal one. I have a nine-year-old done horse that we've had for four years hauled him everywhere, roped on him everywhere. Uh, my 13-year-old son ropes on him now all the time. We've ranched on him, used him. Very, very, very high-end head horse. Big, gorgeous, gentle, nice, nice horse. Uh, the other two, there is a six-year-old Red Roan. He's, okay, sorry. Real quick, we've seen the Dunn. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what I've seen about that horse. Is that horse is big and athletic. That horse has got, from an ability standpoint, to me watching him, I've never rode him. That looks like a horse that could go on to me watching him. Oh yeah. You know, I, I think, I think Wickenburg produces a lot of really pretty gentle ones. That horse is pretty with the ability to go do even more. I I've that horse. I have won on him at pro rodeos. I have, and my son rides him and wins on him in a lower number to mid level jackpot. Like there's very few horses that can do that. David, have you seen the horse? Oh, yeah. I've seen his son ride him. Like, he's handy. Yeah, he's a good son of a gun. What I like about You're him with, sucker too. with Landon is he's always pushing Landon. Yeah. Like, Landon has to be a, a more uh, aggressive roper. For where Landon's at, that's the right kind of step-up horse for a kid like Landon. I think well, he's, he's rode him every time I've been over there, to be honest oh, yeah. with you. I, I mean, he's a real head horse. Yeah. He is sharp. I mean, big time get a hold, really, really face, scores every time. <laughs> 
and can just blast up to one that runs. And you watched the other day, fresh or not, I mean, will walk up to one that walks out of the box. Yeah. I mean, but it's, you know, we've had him a long time. He's a good horse. Jason, what do you what have you seen about the, the done? We're going to do this on all of them real quick because I think this is interesting. I like hearing, like, because I could tell you all the things about my horse, but it's still me telling you. So I think it's cool to be able to go through these ones and hear, like, peer reviews. I'm probably the most familiar with the Dunn just because uh, he's been around for four years, and I've seen his evolution. Like, I've I've never known the horse not to be better than good. Yeah. Like, even four years ago, he was one of the best ones in the barn, I thought, in a barn full of good ones. And as he's evolved, now he's eight or nine years old, like he's... Is he nine this year? Nine. He is going to be probably the... One of the best horses, if not the best horse at the jackpot, anywhere yeah. you go. You it's know? cool and they're pretty too. Well, like he could be all those yeah. things and be ugly and it would still be okay. Well, he demands attention just because yeah. how he looks. And yeah. then he works and then it's like, holy smokes, you know, yeah. you got both of those ends of things. So, I mean, he's a product to me. If I'm Nick, that's what I'm putting my brand on yeah. and saying, this is what this I is produce. This is my product. Yeah. yeah, this is what I produce, right? Yeah. So. What else? Okay, Nick, then you got a roan. There's a six-year-old Red Roan. He is owned by Jeremy and Kim Barnett. He is a smooth, you, smooth cat. Horse, right? he is, I fraturity him for two years. He's placed at every every different fraturity association. I say he's got winnings in the Royal Crown. He's got winnings at the ARHFA. He was the intermediate champion at the Badland Bits and Spurs, and the I think he won second or third in the Open four-year-old at the Badland Bits and Spurs. Uh, the roan horse is, man, he's gorgeous. He is just, he is made just about perfect. I mean, he is very physical, very cowy, very high-end heel horse, really big stopper. Uh, he's hauling all the jackpots. Just, I, I mean, he is a supreme, supreme athlete. I saw Jason run some on that I, horse. Jason has rode and that horse. And when Jason <laughs> rode him, Jason had a different approach to how. You guys have heard me talk about Bale's hay. Um, I mean, I've already said everything I can say. It's the best hay I've ever fed. It's the cheapest hay I've ever fed because I don't have to feed as much of it. You know, they steam press it. Just an amazing quality hay. But they've also, if you'll watch the, the promo clips that have come out on social media, they also sell some really cool hats. Um, got some hoodies and stuff. And so even if you're not in the market for uh, actual alfalfa hay, check them out at baleshay.com. Their hats are sick. They've taken a lot of effort to make sure they have cool stuff to present. So yeah, check them out, Bales Hay. If you're coming to Arizona this or any winter, check out the Roping Calendar. It is the fastest search engine for how to find what you're looking for here in Arizona. You can search by date, which I mean, there are places you can find dates. You can also search by arena where you click on the arena you're looking for and all those flyers will pop up. You can also search by jackpot number and event, like you're looking for a different kind of event, but also the search by jackpot number, that's my favorite. So if I'm just looking for how to find the number 15 ropens, I click on the 15.5 tab and only the flyers with those ropens will show up. It is the most useful tool in the state of Arizona, in my humble opinion. Check it out, ropingcalendar.com. And yes, before you ask, there's an app. We are hot and heavy in the We Heart Wickenburg season of uh, Wickenburg. The 1017 Project is partnered with all of the podcast sponsors to bring you a series called We Heart Wickenburg. It brings hamburger right here to the over 86% of the kids in Wickenburg that are on free or assisted lunches. And every time I tell somebody that number, they just can't believe it, that 86% of the kids in the town of Wickenburg are on free or assisted lunches. And so 
the team ropers are partnered together with jackpots to make sure that there's an adequate supply of protein going home with the kids who live right here in the team roping capital of the world. Jason had a different approach to how he was going to rope on him that day. Like you're saying style wise, yeah. Jason kind of exposed that horse and just teed off on some. And what I saw was that horse had another gear that, that it didn't feel like he was behind Jason at all. It felt like Jason asked him to step up and he just, that horse has got that horse is that's a different animal. That is a, another level of athlete. David, have you seen that horse? Go? Yeah, that's the one you jackpot on, huh? Yep. Yeah, he's a nice horse. Really nice. And he's pretty, too. Like I said, I mean, same thing. It sounds very generic. He's saying, no, he's pretty, but I mean, like, yeah, yeah he hauls him. It's one thing somebody tell you, like, oh, you can go jackpot on him. Like, Nick puts his money up on this yeah. horse. He's a nice horse, yep. you know. I first saw the horse a year ago, or a little over a year ago. I don't know how long he had had him. And it, initially, I was like, holy smokes, like, that's one of the best heel horses I've seen around. And I didn't realize how maybe he wasn't green at that time. I was like, but he's had him a whole nother year now and showed him and this horse's jam up good. And he, he's like, the other day when you saw me on him, that's the first time I had rode him, but I'd seen him go enough. I knew it was going to be like full yeah. contact, right? And I'm saying like this horse probably – could be as good as there is in the calf rope and a breakaway also right because of his physical attributes right but like he is i mean he's yeah he's all of it like you can ride around the end of one or you can do the show horse deal like nick right. does like i put him out there in the danger zone just seeing how he'd come to yeah. it and he he's he squares just, up like and he's I got mean, a vacuum when you turn him loose he's got yeah. a vacuum not to the steer to that spot yeah he just right to that spot yeah. and then he holds it yeah and that and was mean, that was the thing i noticed like you said you exposed him a little bit mm -hmm. and it didn't blow his skirt up oh at no all. that horse just steps right up and says what do you got yeah. you know so i'm really high on that horse nick what is the bay that you were healing on the other day because that is maybe the hardest stopping horse <laughs> i've seen you ride and it was it was so much fun for nick nick ran oh. a few on him and it just kept i felt like it just kept getting better and better as the day went on. And have you, do you know what horse I'm talking about? He belongs to Day Bullock. Yeah, yeah he's he's that, rode, he's rode him too. <laughs> that is that is to me that I, it's hard for me to imagine a heel horse. You ever seen a horse like calf horses? A lot of times you'll see him stop and you think it's over, and then they just melt another foot down in it. That horse was doing that every single run. So that <clears throat> he's a five year old. He is by once in a blue boon um, one of the favorites around our house for sure. Um, Why don't you buy him? Do what? Why don't you buy him? Oh, well, I told my wife the other day, we were talking about it, and I found that horse. My, my wife, or I can't remember, I, she saw him on Facebook, or I did, and I told her the other day, I was like, man, we, Dave Bullock, I love you, but I told her, I was like, we should have bought that horse before Dave. <laughs> um, but uh, that horse is, he's the kind of horse, he stops so hard that, you can get tied on the same hop you heel a steer on. Yeah. And you saw it there, Dave. But he yep. he's also the type of horse that never takes it away from you. He is so gentle and kind. Um, that, to me, that's why, and I'm going back to my calf roping days, that's why that horse is able to stop so hard is that he is free into yes. it. And he goes from gaining or holding to stopping. He's never, because if a, they scotch, then all of a sudden all their weight goes to their front end, right? Yeah. That horse is just like full gas pedal until you stop, and all that momentum carries into the stop. I, I think... He is, he's so versatile. And I mean, Dave Bullock, the man that owns him, he is a three healer and he can heal on him. That horse just puts him in a great spot and he's perfect.
He's yeah. great in the box. My son Landon's thirteen. He gets on him. He heals on him. Does the same thing. Yeah. You know, my youngest son is nine. He rides him around. My wife, everybody. We've all rode him out at the ranch, and then I can get on him, and you can go full contact. I, I would, I would love if somebody bought that horse and left him for me to show also, because he, that horse. I mean, he's eligible for everything: Royal Crown, Riyadh Buckle, at, and and he needs to go, be somebody's. He will be somebody's good one. Yeah. I mean, he already is better. I, they, I. If I'm getting, I, I can't pick apart the three I've got. I don't think that I have ever had three horses for sale at one time that are of the quality of the, the combined quality. Yeah. There is going to be, it's a bold statement or not, there is going to be good horses at the sale. There is not better horses than any of those three. Dave, have you seen that bay? Oh, yeah, I've said it a bunch in front of him over there, yeah. for sure. Super nice horse. I mean, and he's correct every time. It From... Yeah, ain't no tuning on that. That's when we ride our good ones. You get, you get, a, you know, I hop on whatever I got over there that I brought to make some full contact, and we ain't tuning on them. Like that horse is right. He That's a good point. Job. When, and, when we roped uh, on the other day, Nick wasn't training. He was no, just healing. Ain't and no you training can, going on then. Like yep. we're just making runs, keeping them horses legged up and solid and doing their job, keeping them sharp because yep. that horse knows his job. Healing and smiling, that's what we do on that. That's those are the only three smiling. Those are only three you're taking? Those are the three we're taking. Talk Did, to Jason before you get to me about the one he's showing at the Royal Crown because I think she is one of my favorite horses I've seen all winter. And that's I, a good point. I, I think she's so good. That's a good point. Talk to us can about I, that. Can I, ask, can I ask a question you tell yeah. me if I'm thinking of the right horse? Jason, come on rope with me not that long ago. And he was telling me about this horse. And he goes, I was kind of going on her. And then I looked at her papers and I realized I thought she was four and the whole time she was three. That is the horse. And then all of a sudden, instead of feeling like I was behind, I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's doing this as a three-year-old. Same horse? Yeah. Yeah. I had her there the other day, too. That, yeah. to me, she's a four-year-old version of the kind of horses he's talking about. She is where... Those horses would have been yeah. as a four-year-old. Yeah. Same same caliber. Same type of horse, yes. Um, she's by Betty's a cat, which is eligible for everything. That's what I bought her. I bought her because I'm trying to get into the show deal more. Mm-hmm. And I like I did ride a horse at the Futurity in Fort Worth that was a friend of mine's horse. I want to do it on my own horse. Yeah. I missed the third one to make the short round on my buddy's horse. And it was like double dagger in the heart yeah, type that's a, situation. That's hard, yeah. I think it'd be a little less if it was my own. You could just be mad at yourself and <laughs> yeah. easier. Yeah, but um this this mare uh I roped the first cattle I roped on her was in Nick's arena and she was really, really reactive to cattle like cutter type. Like if the cow swatted its yeah. tail, she'd hit her belly, you know. Right. And I'm like, I don't know, Nick. I don't think this is going to work. And he's like, hey, I'll tell you what. The things you don't like about her now, right. you're going to love about her later. And he he's not wrong. Like, she, yeah. she reads the cow extra good. She just wants to be good. Right. Yeah. And she's pretty, too. I mean, the first time I saw her over there, I was literally – I mean, he had a lot of nice horses, like Nick said. He ain't got a bad – one of his own horses and i'm like what is that you know that horse you know what i'm saying she's a little red roan thing and she and i could tell she was young she's small as you can see she's young and he's like oh that's my four-year-old i'm like nick have you have you rode that mare i've not rode the mare i've just headed a ton of steers for but i i so for all the horses that nick lets you on you haven't let him on one it's <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I that was a funny conversation that day because he was a little frustrated and he's like, "She's behind, she's behind." And then the next day, I think he come and roped and he's like, "You know what? 
Actually, that mare's only three, not four. <laughs> this whole time. Yeah, yeah he's like, boy, she went from a real behind four-year-old to a really good three-year-old. Yeah. Um, well, it speaks highly of her to have been under the four-year-old pressure sure. as a three-year-old and not blow up. For sure. Um, the thing that stands out about that mare, I think she's not a huge, huge mare. She's no. just, but she is so physical. Yeah. She thinks she's, she thinks she's 15, three well, she drops the anchor, pounds. that's it. I mean, that's, she's, she's very physical. She's a nice horse. I, I prefer, I know some people don't like it and he was frustrated. I prefer one that just is intense with a cow. Because Do you feel I like think it always helps them keep their distance and not overrun I think cow? it just, I just, horses like that, they want to go to a cow. Team roping is going to a cow as fast as you can, right? I mean, with control, but they when want I heal, to go to always going to the cow as fast as your horse can go. <laughs> they don't really get tight with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a very, very. That, that mare is cool because she does it. You jokingly said that. It made me think of that because he's always driving her like she's never tight. Yeah. Like you can just, he can just put his hand down and freaking go to him. Yeah. And, and then, and then when he does without pulling, she's dropping into she's it. Neat she, she's a neat She's going to show well, whether yeah. she does this week or not or whatever, like that horse has got a big career ahead of her. She's yeah. just one of them that's special. You know. Have you guys seen the gray horse that David's taking a rancho? Yes. I brought him to Nick's one day and turned steers over there. And then I brought him to his quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a cool deal. How, that that horse wasn't originally going to be in the sale. No, no, it wasn't. And we we had kind of reached out a couple of times, and apparently a spot opened up. And uh, when we first got over here, it was uh, I got him in June from Kristen Newman uh, with Clover Hill Ranches here in uh, Arizona, and they're good people, and they're ranch orders, and they bought him from a cutter, so they'd cut on him all the way up to his six or seven year old year and like this guy's kid cut on him in youth cuttings and stuff like that they'd take him to cuttings and ride turn back sell the herd on him and they got him a sword on him. he just had so much draw to him i think they didn't really like him in there uh, not really any fault of his own just he's a more he, he's not that horse he's not a sorting horse for sure and uh anyways he uh he came to me and they said, man, can you make him a rope horse? You know, we think you'd like to sell him or something. And I, so I've had him since June. He's an own son of Hottish out of a daughter, a highbrow cat. And he's about 14'3", probably weighs 11, 25, 11, 50. He's a stout little sucker. Looks like a play gun. He's real boxy and pretty, iron gray. I mean, the kind. You can't, everywhere I take him, I hauled him in Stephenville before I left. We started hauling him this fall before we came over. And then I've hauled him all Vegas week. I've hauled him over here quite a bit. And, man, you can't ride him. You can't warm him up without somebody walking up and yeah. asking. He's just – Taylor's patterned him on barrels. Uh, obviously, he had a cutting career. He can, he can whack a cow still. You can ride him outside in the desert. You can put anybody on him. He hits, I feel like, 12 point down. He's that horse where, like, he's not hard to get on and off because he's, he's not – but he's strong to the horn. He's surprisingly strong to the horn. He's super athletic. He's got a immense amount of run to have the little legs he has. Like, I mean, he, I never feel like I'm – Bad behind on him, uh, just a neat little horse. And he is uh, he's kind of one of them horses because you can do everything on him like that. I feel like he's good for the family. Like, I feel like you could – we break away some, some muleys on him and, like, he was sharp there. Like, he's got a big monster stop on him. Like, wherever you wanted him to go, he would fit. Mm -hmm. But he's a head horse. He's a for real head horse because we've hauled him. I know? think there is a place. I think there's a unique place for a smaller head horse that is an advantage 
like you said it. Like, World Series. He's, yeah. He doesn't take up he, all that room. Right, right. Know? And because he can run and because he's athletic, yeah. like there's places that horse's size will work to his advantage. He's going to be easy to ride. He's not going to just whip people to death. You know, there's a, there's a buyer that needs that horse because of his size, not yeah. in spite of his size, yeah. because it doesn't slow him down. He's not weak. He doesn't. No, he doesn't get bogged down pulling cattle. Not he keeps ever. his feet under him. Like them big Mexicans at your house, he'll take a hold of them and just get somewhere with them. Like he'll get in the ground and get real athletic. And he's never. I mean, he's not cheaty. You can stick it on the horn and take him all the way there. And if you want, he's not leaning on you. Like I mean, the little dude's honest. Like J yeah. Jason, what have you seen about that horse? I think he's the first horse that I actually like. He said like he can't hardly unload him out of the trailer. And people are asking about him. Yeah, it's like the prettiest girl at the dance. Yeah. Right. Like you are, he—he's one of those that you go, "What is that?" And right. everybody goes, "What is that?" Right. You know, he would be impossible to disguise. I was a little upset when he said he wasn't a healing on him. <laughs> he looks that, like a healer. He looks like he could go either way. Yeah, yeah it could. Yeah, I mean, he dang sure. Could. Yeah. I tell you, the disadvantage of a horse like that is if he had taken him before he was ready, everybody would have seen it because he is not a horse you overlook. Right. Horses He's like that. Draw attention horses like that. They've got to be ready yeah. to go before yeah. you take them because when they yeah. show up, everybody's going to see yeah. it, good or bad. Yeah. And there's times where I'm like, David, you need to be hauling that horse, you know, like to the 14 points. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like he gathers up cattle more yeah. at more than I mean. More than you would think. I think a guy will actually penalize that little horse unfairly because you're like, well, he just doesn't seem like he's the size of the horses at those. He's a lot of horse and a little bit of. But that's it. That's horse. it. That's not a disqualifier for anything he's doing wrong. It's just you would naturally tend to believe he needs to belong over here because yeah. of his size. But yeah. what, what I've seen, he looks to me like something that a guy's not yeah. really going to run in, not going to get athleticized. Yeah. That's a word. Yeah. You're not going to out athletic. He's athletic. plenty yeah. athletic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Nick, have you seen that horse go? I've seen him. I've seen him. He's had him at my house a couple times. Um, <clears throat> to me, I, he's what I like in a head horse because I, I, everything that he talks about that made him not great for the cut and is what's made him good for a head horse that mm -hmm. draw. I, I like a head horse that runs low to the ground, has a lot of cow, and I mean he fits. He looks like a horse I could get on and win. Like he looks like a horse I could get on and just like, hey, that one fits me, you know. And I mean, I, I like the horse. Yeah. Yep. Well, in sadness. This is the year. I've always said this is you only get to sell my bay one time. And this is the year. And so curious to see how that's gonna go. You guys have all seen him. I I would I'm gonna avoid bragging on him because well, you I gotta think, talk about him and give his description. Well well, here's what I'll say. That horse is gonna tell his own story. I would like to hear, just my own curiosity, I would like to hear what you guys have seen. But in fairness, I have a tendency to talk too much about anything. Like it's just sort of bred into me to talk too much. Shut up, Nick. We had noticed. No. I think I would be doing that horse a disservice to brag on him, considering he can tell his own story. Does that make sense? How old is he? Twelve this year. Okay. And we've had him for six years. Okay. Um, they sold that horse for ninety thousand as a three-year-old, and then he grew. So they, they stood him as a stud, and then he kept growing. And the lady that we got him through said, I'm not going to own a horse that I have to beat the hell out of every day to keep motivated. He was just too laid back. Um, the, only, the only time you'll ever not see that is when you nod and ask him. Like, if you nod and just let him ease out of the box, like, he'll trot and lope up to one. But that horse has an on button. I've had, I've had three World Series ropings stop because they said the barrier wasn't working. Like, I got caught up so fast. They're like, stop, stop, stop. Barry wasn't working. And then they'll check, and it is working. Like, he catches cattle that fast, zero to the shoots. And 
Um, he's taught my kids how to ride. Jet took him to his first roping, number seven roping, turned 11 out of 12. Um, rodeo and jackpot and open, like it's, it's just, like I said, I almost feel like I'd be doing a disservice to start bragging on him because whoever sees that horse, that horse, that horse is, he's able to tell his own story. First of all, you know Jordan's sad because it's the first time he's been like, it sounds like someone died and we went to a funeral home when he started talking about selling this horse. You know what I, I mean? I'm like you, he I was here it. and then when he talks about it, he's like, anyways, yeah. He's a I'm telling you, like it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> it, it's the closest thing I've ever felt to what it would feel like to sell a family member because of the way he's taking care of my kids. Like there was a time that Jet. And you can't get that much for Jet anyway. So. Well, he, uh, there was a time Jet didn't want to rope, like didn't care. And so we're out roping one day and I go, Jet, you want to rope one? He's like, yeah. I'd never in a million years thought he'd say yes. And so, and you guys will know this, like Jason and, and Nick, if someone takes care of your kids, it's a different kind of gratefulness, right? Or gratitude. And so I was like, okay, well, I had a loper. I was like, all right, we'll get on him. And Jed had not roped. The only time Jed had ever chased a steer, I, he agreed to chase a steer one time if he could shoot him with his airsoft gun. Like, he didn't want to rope. So this is the first time Jed ever had a rope in his hands. And so he goes, what do I do? So I put his rope in his hands and stuff. And so the gates bang, and, and Samson breaks into a wide open trot. But it was just enough that Jed, like, ah, it drops his rope on both sides, goes both hands to the saddle horn, drops the reins. So now there's a rope dragging across Jet's lap, reins on the horse's neck, and this horse is loping behind the steer, staying behind the steer, loping. And I'm like, okay, we're okay. But like, man, when he gets down there to the other end and that steer goes in the strip and shoot, what's going to happen? This horse slows down to a trot, walk, stop. And Jet is sitting there panting like he just finished a marathon, still death grip on the saddle horn. And this horse has literally got a leg cock, like chewing on his bit. I don't know. I don't know how to put a price on that. Like that horse, that horse could have killed my kid that day and instead protected him and took care of him in a way that like built Jet's confidence. And so it is different. Like you sell a horse like that, I mean, it's going to suck. Jet, Jet's so mad that he's now a healer, I heard. Like he completely quit heading because <laughs> he's leaving and now he's healing. Yeah. My, wife, my wife said that that's the only horse she's ever going to cry over. Like she, oh. she's already like, she already tears up talking about the thought of him leaving. The only, the only way I could call, I mean, obviously the right when you bought him, I tried to buy him. I mean, if I tried to buy your horse, I obviously like him. So, I mean, as a comment. I would only know based on one horse's experience, but yeah, I, I agree. True. Um, no, but I, if there are, the best thing you could say about Sam's, I mean, besides Everybody's he's pretty, he's, he's well bred. Yeah. If there are a thousand people at Rancho Rio or ten thousand people, every one of them can ride him. There's yeah. nobody there that cannot ride that. That's horse. a good assessment of him there. So too. there is there ain't that many horses at that sale, at any sale in Wickenburg in the world that you can say that about. And it doesn't I mean there's that, that there is nobody that can't ride that horse. So I mean, that's, I don't know what else needs to be said. It's a nice horse, obviously, but when there is nobody that can't ride him, and we're talking from a guy that's a three to an open-level guy, and get off and be, like, happy about it, it's a pretty special horse. Yeah. I don't – what else can you – yeah. that's Because I, I watched you head on him, keeping him sharp, and then get off, and then the neighborhood girl who's learning to ride – who's not even family, but she's like family to you, get on and she's literally like riding horse for her first handful of times. And she like gets on him and now, weeks later, is like loping him around. Like at the time, he would just walk trot with her because he's protecting her. But, you know, it only goes fast as, but that was right after you, I've seen you get off and her get on literally. And I was like, that's special. 
you know, that that horse can come back down like that. So, like Nick said, I mean, when everybody can ride them, what more can you say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody, everybody has a place to bid on him there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think, you know. Yeah. I mean, to echo what these two have said, like, I've never seen – I've seen Jet ride him. And I don't know how long after that was his first steer, but it wasn't very long. And, like, couldn't put him on a better horse to start out. There ain't one made that was better than him. And then I see you head on him in a 15-pointer open, and it fits right in there where you got to run as fast as you can run, right? I mean, he is probably that unique unique horse in there. I mean, this term gets thrown around a lot, but that horse checks all the boxes. Yeah. From 1 to 10, that horse checks all of them. That's a horse that you could probably go check the cows out on the desert on, and, and you could put your mom on if she don't ride at all. You know, it's just it's just one of them horses that you – I mean, I don't blame you. I mean – it's kind of, I hope somebody that buys him appreciates him as much as you've appreciated him or yeah. can use him and don't just put him out there and depend and look at him. You know? I wish, financially, I wish I was in a position to give him away. Yeah, that'd be sweet. You know, that would be the most honoring thing I could do for a horse like that would yeah. be to find the place where he could do for somebody else what he did for us and just give him away. And, and you know, maybe someday that's the financial position I'll be in. I, I'm not, but I wish, I wish for his sake that I got to go vet where he went and just hand him. Yeah. Hand them the reins. So yeah. I think all three of us would say that about our sale horses, though. That I don't. We don't. Yeah, we want them to sell high, but we want them to go do their job. Yeah, like go be used. Mm -hmm. That would be a bummer if they because they're like all Nicks are too good to sit up in the barn or go like they're freaking good horses. Right. I'm gonna go on a yeah. limb here. I'm gonna say if anybody gives Nick a check for a hundred thousand for those horses and says I'm gonna go put them in the barn, Nick's like, that's all right. No, you know what <laughs> no, I mean. I know, I know. It'd I know. be I such know. a waste of talent. You know? No, I know. You want to see him go on and do well, guys. Thank y'all for jumping on. This has been awesome. It's kind of a different sort of a feel, but I've enjoyed it. Appreciate you guys taking time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.